We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. show week 11 double digits we're on the back end the back nine we're definitely halfway through with the regular season uh as always myself dean chabelson rich rebar sharp football analysis the worksheet john daigle four for four uh right before we went on air daigle people are hitting you up on a on a wednesday night on a wednesday night they're hitting you up for start sick questions i certainly hope one of these players is playing on thursday at least John, welcome to the show. Is this like Sunday players, Monday players, or is at least somebody on a Thursday you're getting hit up with a head-to-head or a this guy or that guy on Wednesday? The worst part is it's not the DMs. It's actually like my good friends in actual life who I see on weekends to have drinks with. And he texted me and asked, would you trade his Jonathan Taylor for Raheem Mostert and Cooper Cup? Uh, season-long question. I would rather have Mostert and Cup personally, but also this this question has a lot of context. I'm gonna have to figure it out behind the scenes with them and ask his <laughs> roster, as most of these questions do. Reeves, in a vacuum, what would you do? Uh, I would probably rather have Jonathan Taylor, but I don't know the context either. Yeah, that's, I, don't that's answer, so I don't. I don't answer trade questions on Twitter usually because I don't know if they're real trade offers or not, and like I, I always worry about people. It's like. Because they're like, should I even offer this? So I'm going to ask and see like what the trade is. So I don't even know like if the trade offer is real. So I don't answer trade questions because I don't even know if it's like a waste of time. The the reason I don't answer trade questions is because at least on Twitter, it it immediately causes me to run an errand. Like I have to ask you then a second question because we need the context of the rosters to understand like will Mostert slide into your flex? Like what's the deal here? Because based on the surface, the better raw player is JT since the usage is trending that direction. But again, like maybe it just works out better in your favor to have two startable players immediately. So this is why I just avoid Twitter. This is what I do. Yeah, my thought process behind it is with A-Chan coming back and, you know, most are going back to be like a 50% player. You know, uh, Reeves, you once told me, I don't want to give away the secret, but I feel like you once told me we had a conversation, like people in real life asking you about fantasy stuff, like, oh, how do you avoid people talking about fantasy at parties? 
when people ask what you do, you say you're a data data analyst, right? Is that your answer? Yeah, I, I always, yeah. It, you know, at Christmas and stuff, my family asks what I do, or like people ask, I just say I'm in predictive predictive analysis, and then that's it. No more questions. And they move if on. You say you you say you do something about football. You're gonna get some bullshit question, man. And like, I'm not saying <laughs> oh. that nobody knows. And I don't know more than the like, average person, but like. I don't want to talk about Deshaun Watson at a party. Like, you know, I don't like, you know, I don't like do those things, man. I don't want to talk about your favorite team. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm whereas, way. whereas Dean, I'm single. So I say, I talk about football on TV. That's how I express what I do. There you go. There you go. I like a works. lot of things outside of football. So I don't want to talk about football. And That's, John, it gets yeah. you out of, uh, out of tickets as well. I think once you told the story yes. about the getting pulled over, oh, you're, you're the famous John Daigle from the interwebs. I'm there fine. you go. That works and sometimes. remember, I got the I got the Giannis tickets free last year. We we did a show early around this time because this is the time of year where my beard gets disheveled. I don't even hide the beer cans anymore. I'm just drinking on the show. Like <laughs> it's just that time of the year where you start giving up because it's just like, yeah, we're talking about football now. Everyone knows what we're doing at this point, so we get into it. It's getting more and more dreary, I imagine, outside for you in Chicago. Four twenty. Uh, 420 darkness and that's not not a good 420 like that's literally when it became black dark horrible for real it's four it's dark at 420 that's so wild man i'm not kidding 420 central time it's done like completely done yeah uh and i assume it's cold too i don't know i'm down here in florida so i can't really speak to that it's just raining the past yeah i've heard i've seen pictures uh all right Uh, it's uh it, it is comparable dean to like i start drinking earlier when the when the sun goes down compared to how you handled the free bet situation not having that in florida when you arrived in tennessee for the super bowl party like you literally opened up 15 different sports books and said free bets here we are yeah. you even stayed you you purchased an extra airbnb for a couple weeks later just to stay there and take advantage of the bets to pay itself off which is wise but that's how i handle my beer whenever the sun goes down it's like oh yeah it's time. It is nice when you go to a state for the first time. And I don't know if this is something you just got to bounce around from state to state. It'd make for a fun road trip for sure. But just, yeah, uh, Tennessee and a bunch of sports books I've never opened a, never opened an account in. And they had like seven or eight accounts immediately and a bunch. It was a little tricky to keep track of, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun as well. And uh, now I still got a ton of emails. And I guess when I go back to Tennessee, we'll figure it out. Maybe I get some redeposit bonuses. But, hey, the people don't want to hear about that. They want to hear about the picks, the true grinders. The true, you know, grinders are still going at it. You know, the ones that are just kind of dabbling, it didn't work out the first so many weeks, they're gone. We missed them. We, 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 they're still around, but we appreciate those that are still grinding, especially those that are grinding us uh, live, live on a Wednesday night in the chat. Hit that like button. Do subscribe. Do turn on those notifications. Do join the Listener League. I just dropped the link to the Listener League. Uh, last week's, uh, the winner last week is John Hers 40. John Hers 40. Do let us know in the chat. Uh, let us know, not the, uh, the, the live chat. Let us know in the comment section. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit up Rotor Grinders on Twitter. I'm at DFS underscore Almanac or just Rotor Grinders. Let us know. Show yourself. We're going to get you get you a month, a month free of Rotor Grinders Premium. And we're going to continue doing that going forward. If you win next week's, you'll get a month. Anybody, anybody wants to play, feel free to jump in there. And Rich, you are uh, the biggest score amongst those that play that are on the show. Therefore, you're going to assign us a movie later on in the show after all the football talk. You're going to assign us a movie that we're going to watch during the week and talk about next week. Producer Rob assigned us a movie last week. We're all uh, still scarred, probably. We're going to talk about both <laughs> that we all watched last week. Uh, 
Oh man, that uh, that is going to be a fun. I, ha I have thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts about Rob did not warn us about. Yeah, I tried to warn you guys without warning you last week. Yeah, but yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair. You did not warn us, but you gave us subtle hints. But I couldn't, but, uh, I couldn't I, lead I you on the. I couldn't lead you down the path. <laughs> no, you can't. You you have to. I get it. You have to breadcrumb everyone. You have to get there yourself, mm -hmm. and then go through your own. Go to therapy yourself. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we made a pact that like fun movies from now on on this show, and like uh, Rob immediately broke back yeah. pact. It was yeah. I will we'll talk about it. I will tease. I will tease horizontal tease and say, I'm excited. Uh, uh yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it. I have lots of thoughts. Also, also Dean, you kind of let in. Like I always tell people too, like you know, I know a lot of people have played DFS or like they moved on to NBA or whatever. Like this is the time you want to like come into this show and consume content. Absolutely. This is like this is where like the home stretches. I think I've talked. I talked about like literally. I've gone and like pulled my data and like the, the best I I've played is like from Thanksgiving on. And I do believe it's because of the work I like we do and like we're just through like the small sample stuff, right? And granted, the NFL is a small sample inherently, but like. This is the home stretch, like where like all the data, like we can start applying a lot of this stuff, and it, it really fits in. Um, I'm having, I'm having the best cash game, like literally Rotor Tracker is showing me. And again, we've talked about this in the past. I go back to the Star Street days. I'm uh, having the best cash game season of my entire career, and I literally think it's because no one uses context anymore. I think everyone just dives into the Sims, and like even on Sunday, whenever the lineups locked and the cards were about to be flipped. I knew I was going to see a bunch of uh, Tony Pollard and Joe Mixon. <laughs> and those guys just don't beat you. Who cares about Joe Mixon and Tony Pollard? Uh, it's just like such an advantageous time, especially now with a whole half of a season left to jump in. Yeah, I'm sure Tony Pollard is going to come up again this week as well. We'll have that conversation. He uh, or that. fell flat on the He beat you guys last week. I know that. <laughs> yes, you used them against us and still found a way to win. Uh, we said the the one, I try to lose time. those. I try Sucker. to lose those usually. Yeah. Also, uh, if you remember the Wednesday night uh, tight ends, the Wednesday night tight ends, whatever the optimizer says, the optimizer said to play Hawkinson and McBride double yeah. tight end. Easy game. I did not do that, but that's I didn't play them both. But those were my two. <laughs> those were my two top tight ends in my player pool, though. You mean Ed Werder didn't shake you off of Hawkinson? I was told that he was only going to play like uh, what was the line Ed Werder said? Uh, I think like it was important. like critical situations, right? Or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be a little bit fair, although he was wrong still, to be fair to Ed Werder, Hawkinson did play only quote unquote only sixty three percent of snaps. But that's also why the show is on a rampage to cancel snap rates because we don't care. Whenever you have a forty six percent target share, who cares how many snaps you play? You guys got me in line on that one pretty quickly. I stopped. I stopped quoting snap stuff, and I, I, I definitely saw the light. Uh, much better point as far as uh, snap rate doesn't matter. Uh, participation matters a lot more, obviously. So this is your first time. I can't imagine, but if it's your first time on the show, how how this works? We focus on three games, three main games on the main slate. Eleven games. We get eleven games this week. Uh, we talk about those three games, you know, forwards and backwards. Let me kind of run it back. Give our favorite plays, position by position. And, uh, you know, amongst games that we not yet talked about, the remaining eight. Bad job by the NFL, by the way. Eight one o'clock games, three four o'clock games. we got to do better, NFL. we got to do better. Hopefully we uh, redeem ourselves next week. Speaking of small samples here, Reeves, uh, Arizona. Arizona at Houston. we got a small sample of Kyler Murray. What did you see? That's our first game. 47.5 is a total. Houston is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, they have the – 
the greatest quarterback for the next 10 years. It's phenomenal. God. Congratulations to them. It's so, so good. I hope they don't screw it up. Um, but yeah, uh, Kyler Murray, what did you see? What are you expecting going forward from Murray and Arizona? Yes, simultaneously, C.J. Stroud tearing down the narrative of Ohio State quarterbacks while Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba tears down the wide receiver narrative. Uh, pretty poetic uh, that, that we've have, got. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the, the TikTok of the singing children, like all dressed in costumes? And there, no. there's the, the one kid who comes up and he's a beautiful singer. And like it just has the label C.J. Stroud, but the past kids all have like um you know cardell jones justin yeah. fields yeah all those guys memed over him all right i'll send it to you later so everybody no. check that out there. yeah i definitely want to check it out yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah god bless cj stroud man he's, he's not having a so great good. rookie season like he's having a great context and like this of like uh, an established quarterback right now like what he's doing i mean uh he threw 9.1 yards or pass attempt on sundays now third in the nfl in yards or pass attempt uh, he has a seven and a half touchdown interception ratio. The next closest quarterback is at four and a half. Uh, he's got 125 first downs passing. Uh, then, uh, th- that trails only Tua and Sam Howell, who, who, who has, uh, already hasn't had a buy yet. Uh, has played an extra game. Uh, he's completing 55% of his throws on 20 or more air yards. Like absolutely insane. The league average is 36%. Um, absolutely awesome. And, and you talk about this game in context, see like a, the Cardinals are 28th in the league in pressure rate. When Stroud hasn't been pressured, he's averaging 9.3 yards per pass attempt. He's got 15 touchdowns, which is second in the NFL when he's not pressured. I mean, just another like kind of really great spot for him uh, again. At I mean, they've been better at home. I mean, just man, uh, the, just fire up the Texans and your Texan stacks. I'll let Dangle talk about Devin Singletary because he was on him last week. And, you know, we hopefully we can get there again because it's another great matchup. But I'll talk about the wide receivers in the pass catchers for a minute. I know you want to talk about Kyler Murray, but we're just talking about CJ Stroud at now at this point. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. Uh, but I mean, we'll Tank Dell, Tank Dell, like when are, like, when is his like price going to get moved? Uh, Fandle even yeah. like has been kind of slot. Like Tank Dell is the wide receiver one on this team. And he has been when he's on the field. I mean, he, he, he had 14 targets last week. Nico Collins was out, but when both he and Nico Collins have been on the field together, he leads the team in targets uh, he leads the team in target share. Arizona is a matchup we we target weekly. Uh, you know we'll see what happens with Noah Brown and Robert Woods who didn't practice today. We'll see if there ends up being like a little bit of rotation too because Tank Dell has consistently been the constant. Like he's been playing the most snaps even before Nico Collins got hurt. Nico Collins was kind of rotating, not playing the full amount of routes uh, that the other guys were. And then, and we got to talk a little bit about Dalton Schultz because. One thing that kind of slipped past the Dalton Schultz stuff is that uh, was Laramie Tunsil coming back. And, you know, with Laramie Tunsil coming back, like Dalton Schultz now is just running pass routes instead of having to block. Uh, with Larry Tunsil off off the field, he only had a 64% route participation. And now with Tunsil now back on the field, Dalton Schultz is running a pass route and 82% of the dropbacks. So, like, man, like everyone here is like you can fire them up against this really passive Arizona defense. Yeah, jump in here, John, as far as your thoughts about Houston. I saw you tweeted four hours ago about all the Texans receivers expected to play this week. Does that subdue the ceiling of these guys to some degree? Like certainly, you know, Dell, he only needs a couple plays to get loose. The other thing that's worth mentioning, I want to acknowledge that Derek Carty's The Blitz, uh, this is expected to have the second most game uh, actual plays. It's going to be played at a fast pace and in a dome. It's a beautiful recipe for DFS. Uh, go for it, John, and feel free, obviously, to bring in Devin Singletary. 
it's like Reeb said, we're kind of waiting on injury reports, honestly. That's really going to dictate. I I would personally think Robert Woods loses out here since he was even the third wide receiver last week without Nico Collins by a wide margin behind Noah Brown. Um, again, like Reeb said, Noah Brown even led the team in routes run in week one before he got slapped on injured reserve. So Noah Brown just kind of out there. Even D'Amico Ryans talked about Brown after the game. Like he was just exploding about how good he is. He's also their best run blocking wide receiver, which is very important. So I can't imagine him, at least in terms of volume and usage, going anywhere. So we'll see how that shakes out. But for Devin Singletary, it's it's kind of another slate where we're looking for cheap options. I only got there in tournaments last week because we had no value. Like we thought we may get Ken Sharp or Zach Charbonnet, but we never got there. And then it really came down to how much faith you had between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. So Singletary just made sense against the worst rushing offense in the league. Uh, look to Keaton Mitchell on showdown on Thursday, by the way. But the thing is the Texans were the still, still the same offense against the Bengals. Like they were averaging the seventh highest run play rate on early down, uh, which this year we've complained about because it set up CJ Stroud for longer third down. It's less well, if you run it well, we don't care. That's the thing. And because you played the Bengals, they averaged 5.7 yards per carry on early downs. And it's not the same situation, but it's still a below average situation to where you can target it. Like Arizona is 19th in yards per carry on early downs, plus 20th in yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs. Not to mention that the ball doesn't go anywhere. Like Devin Terry has out-touched every single running back combined. Like the rest of the team's running backs only have three touches behind him. The ball quite literally does not go anywhere else. So now we just have an every touch every touch back in an ideal situation. That's why I, I'm struggling to stack this game because I like everyone. Like it may just be like an onslaught Stroud game or onslaught the Texans overall and figure it out. See where people get to with the passing game because I imagine, given the lack of value right now at running back, we're probably getting Singletary and cash games, which means the ownership trickles down to the tournaments. So then you can just kind of start pivoting off of that. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I want to play everyone, and I don't know how to do it just yet. You say onslaught, I mean, that means the way I hear onslaught is like you don't play anybody on the other side. Like you play Dallas onslaught versus the Giants. Would you not consider a Cardinals oh. uh, run back? I, I I think oh to me onslaught means like four from one side and one or two from the other. That's the way okay. I envision onslaughts. Like onslaughting an entire game, probably just because I'm I still have PTSD from the Texans playing the Bucks and just literally everyone getting there. So that's the kind of the way I look at it. It is interesting though because we saw Trey McBride kind of keep his target share, literally led the team with a 29% target share. He did get a lot of his yards, although again, he was earning targets, but he got a lot of his yards on that uh, that final drive where Kyler had a whole career in one drive, that one <laughs> scramble where he did circles like a squirrel. He, He's next back. Gen stats, next Gen Stacks actually tracked him for 74 yards running around <laughs> on that one scramble just to pick up on third and 10. And then he had that play where he just hail married it. Like it wasn't even a, a good play, honestly, but Trey yeah. McBride, he's so big, just threw his cornerback to the side and they didn't call it and he came back to the ball and caught it. Um, Having said that, though, I think the interesting part, the interesting player in this game, because we know the kind of targets Marquise Brown is going to get. Not to say he won't get there, but we know they're going to be volatile. I'm curious to see where his ownership goes to because of that. I think Rondell Moore is interesting at his price because not only the second highest target share, 25.8% behind Trey McBride and over Marquise Brown, but also 
his depth to target like nearly was so much larger than when he played under Cliff Kingsbury as a gadget player. 5.2 a dot under Kingsbury, 8.1 depth of target with a 25% target share under Jonathan Gannon. That's super important considering his salary on both sides. So that's kind of the way I lean right now is trying to navigate how to play the Texans plus Rondell Moore and Trey McBride coming back. Because Trey McBride is not going like everyone's going to play him. Everyone gets it. He's like only on DraftKings. I believe he's only a hundred more than Evan Ingram, who doesn't have a single end zone target in the entire year. Like Ingram doesn't have a ceiling that you could play compared to Trey freaking McBride. So it's just the opportunity right now. That's too good to pass on. And everyone knows it. So uh, Wednesday nights ran a bunch of optimals uh, DK specific. We're getting a lot of two tight end stuff again. A lot, not a lot of value out there just yet, but it's the one year, of the reasons, not at wide uh, receiver. Of, that's that's the big thing. Like under four K, I'm hoping Reed can help me out because besides Rondo Moore, man, I got I got nothing except reaching for Jalen Guyton. We'll get there. That's there you go. It's so funny you say that. I'm staring at it. Rondo Moore, the most popular receiver, hitting the lineups at 63 percent. Guyton at 20 percent for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, and tight end wise, spoiler alert, it's going to be McBride and somebody else that's very very close to McBride. Uh, we'll talk about in a second, but yeah, Rich, if anything else you have in Houston, by all means go for it, but jump over to Arizona. what do you see for Kyler? Uh, that, yeah, that, that one scramble play, it just says like, I assume that means he's back. Uh, now that wasn't a called run, right? And he didn't run for a ton of yards. I think he had 33 for the game or so. He did go over his total, which was like in the mid twenties. And I think that's where it settled at mid to high twenties. Uh, what's been a fun sweat there on that last play for sure. But yeah, Rich, what do you have there as far as, uh, Arizona, what are you seeing out of Kyler? Yeah, I mean, Kyler was still a, a back-end QB1 and needed a rushing touchdown to get there. Uh, it was just nice to see him, though, with kind of no restrictions. They did the four designed runs, the one on the goal line. Uh, he did come out for the Clayton tune, you know, push, which was just gross altogether. Like, in just, just in general, let's do less of that, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, he left a lot of meat on the bone, though. I mean, he completed his 59% of his passes. He was 8.2% below his expected completion rate. That was 27th among all passers. And kind of the one bugaboo that he had last year was he was one of the worst deep ball throwers in the NFL last year. And we saw in the Hollywood, Hollywood is wide open. Like, you got to hit that throw. Uh, and he overthrew Hollywood for that. That should have been just a, a complete walk-in touchdown. Um, so it was a, it was a knock off the rust game. So we'll see where it builds. But like he still was just a back end guy. Uh, I will say though, Houston though is kind of like things are catching up to them defensively. Uh, they have a lot of QB one score now in four of their past five games. That includes guys like Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr, uh, and Baker Mayfield. So like there's definitely upside here uh, in this matchup for Kyler to kind of get his two. Um, I don't I don't have like an out for Daigle though. It's like for like the rest of like these guys outside of McBride and, and Hollywood Brown. I definitely came in prepared mentally for him to sell me on Darius Slayton again though. <laughs> I said, oh, Daigle's gonna Daigle's gonna sell me on try to try to sell me on Darius Slayton again this week. Jalen Hyatt out with the concussion. I mean, we need value on this slate. Right we need, we right need lots of value here. You know me too. What well. is the what's the, the the Giants team total? If you guys looked, you probably already know the Giants team total is. It's higher than it was. It was eleven versus Dallas. It's it's more than that now. Hold on, yeah. Give Tommy DeVito some credit. He finishes the QB fifteen last week. He did his job. QB fifteen <laughs> relative for Tommy DeVito is pretty good. I mean, they're they ten can't... point dogs to the Commanders, though. Like what a what a yeah. world. I, I mean, again, we have to. T-Mobile's got to be coming back soon, right? Like, I don't know what his what his deal is injury wise, but he's got. We what, can't keep doing weeks? this. He's got or two, three more or one more week, right? Uh, I believe he has, yeah, two or one. 
Um, and yeah, they'll they'll definitely start him whenever he comes back for sure. Even they though have, like, they, they also are a team that hasn't had their buy yet. Okay, and Washington and Zarwater, I think. Yeah, it sets up so well. Whereas like Carolina might mess around still and win a couple games. <laughs> the Giants can try all they want. They ain't getting there. Like they're they're finishing with two. <laughs> they games. play the Patriots. Like so, like they got one shot. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you we don't spaghetti. talk about them they're unbiased Throw it all uh, out there i didn't watch the zappy experience or whatever is going on there in new england but what a disaster uh well, we'll talk about it next week maybe possibly who knows maybe no, on the main slate won't it but sounds like both get you know, away from mcbride though i mean it, the houston's been so bad against tight ends they've just been a target every week i mean you go back to the k dot in week two and just like i mean opposing t- teams that target their tight ends 27 of the time that's second in the league uh, no one's allowed a higher share of receptions allowed to tight ends than Houston. So it's just like, and then the price didn't really go up high enough. So on either side. So how do you, I don't know how you don't get there. Because the, the tight end we want to, it's like, we want to play the most viable cheap guy, right? And he's easily that. Yeah. And, and also like, if you played him in the last so many weeks, you're happy and you're going to keep going back. And if you haven't played him, you're so mad at yourself. You're finally, all right, screw it. I'm finally going to play and also, this guy. he's not an accident. Like, this dude won the Mackey. You know, I know that's yeah. another show's bit. But, like, he, you know, he's a <laughs> legit talented player. Like, he's got he's got pedigree and production, draft capital. Like, it's not like this dude is just, like, like they just dusted this guy off. And, like, he's just, like, out here playing. He probably should have been playing from the beginning of the season, to be honest. He, he kind of looks badass with the arm sleeve, too. <laughs> you gotta factor that into the projection. Oh, yeah, it's, it looks it's awesome. Silva's bit, right? But Silva, yeah. m- many, many years ago, to be Silva fair, was he's, the, he's the OG pick six, like uh, yeah. partner. Yeah. So we should we, we should get squatters right a little bit to the bit uh, <laughs> by proxy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's not like when you like you know like Kate Otten has a big game or like should we chase that or anything, right? Or like a dude gets on like a run. Like Trey McBride's like a bona fide like he's a bona fide prospect. So yeah. is Michael Mayer, who we may talk about later. Oh, he scored a touchdown last week, didn't he? All right. Yeah, so it was a good catch, too. Worth a conversation for sure, and probably in comeback mode versus Miami. I thought there was a chance that game would be on the board amongst the three you selected. We actually had real games to pick from. Like Typically, John, I imagine, and you're like, a, you're probably struggling to get two or three games you want to talk about. The, but. I, I wanted to make the theme games that could push back because – we can oh. talk positionally about offensive onslaughts, but there are two or three situations where we're going to play the players, but we probably just won't run it back yeah. at all because we're trying to soak up touchdowns. That's a boring conversation. So I, just, I just wanted to give us three environments that have an opportunity to answer. Yeah, I'm not okay, sure. So- there's not like a huge uh, huge amount of games where you're just like, oh, I'm going to stack this or small field onslaught like no. Bagel's alluding to. Uh, it's, it's a lot of one one-offs. Okay, so we think the Bears might punch back. I guess part of that might be if uh, Fields play. Are we certain about Fields? We know he's what Fields is being projected. Okay, he starts, he's expected yeah. to. Good. Okay, no, the, the Bajan experience is over. 47 and a half is the total. Chicago at Detroit. Uh, Detroit's still a pretty big favorite here, obviously. Eight and a half points. Uh, nine and a half points versus the Bears. We have a uh, David Montgomery revenge game. Both Montgomery mm. and Gibbs got there last week. I'm on Raw. I think he got there. He gets there every single week, right? Oh, or at least he like doesn't Absolutely. blow your lineup up. And dude, I, I was so disappointed to see him like end up as chalk too. Like how it ended up like the week just playing out. Well, you know what happened, Reeves, was uh that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase news pushed everyone down to Gino and a Monron cash game. So you could see like the way the slate was about to unfold based on 
not trusting those other players. Right. By Sunday I, morning. I, I came in Wednesday last week and I was like, my, yeah, easily, called my favorite player on the slate is Amon Ra. Like, easily. you called it. He just ended up being the stone chalk, like the chalkiest of all chalk. <laughs> Rich, I assume you like Amon Ra again. Um, also, you know, I, the- I mean, I do like always like Amon Ra, but I do. I'm a l- little more tepid uh, in this spot oh. a little bit. I mean, he, he's got 100 yards or a touchdown in every game. Like, yeah, he, dude, he gets there. I will say that like the Bears are like a, have been like a sneaky kind of good defense too. Uh, they obviously awesome. they play the second they play the second amount uh, the second highest rate of cover two uh, in the NFL. Uh, Amon Ra is only averaging zero point five three yards per route run against cover two. Uh, a small sample. The Bears also, I mean, they don't have any. Mike Evans is the only wide receiver to hit seventy yards against the Bears this season. That, that's it. And wow, they're that's like, a, and, and that's they're, a threat. And they're legit good against the run, too. They're, they're honestly the number one defense against the run, against running back runs. Uh, <laughs> so you'd think that, like, would steer and they'd be more of a pass funnel. Um, but they've actually faced a couple of good wide receivers, too, that haven't done anything against them. So, obviously, they'll be tested. going to. I think is going to get his. He's always a good floor play. But, like, is this the week he goes for, like, 8-160 and a touchdown? Probably not. I would say no. Interesting. You want to talk about the backfield? It looked like a little bit of a change as far as the goal line stuff. Is that like just one week or is that how it's going well, to Well, remember, David have- Montgomery fell on a sword for us. Uh, <laughs> David Montgomery was – the first play, the first touchdown that Gibbs scored where he had like the 39-yard run or whatever, the one-yard line, they went to pull him out. Montgomery was coming in, and Montgomery said, no, stay on the field, and they let Gibbs run it. He let mm-hmm. Gibbs run it in himself. That's a teammate. That's a that's that's what we love to see. He's not um, doing that this week for Chicago. I'll tell you that. Uh, what what uh what was interesting is you know coming into last week I said all right because I was like Gibbs isn't going to get put back in the bottle at this point. I was like oh this might end up being a situation where it's like a better version of the Atlanta backfield right where it's like Bijan Gibbs is like Bijan and you know Montgomery's Algier but what it ended up being was more Aaron Jones AJ Dillon except for just like with better players. But that was like the type of split we got and the type of usage we got where Gibbs was used like Aaron Jones and Monty, you know, uh, AJ Dillon, Uh, you know, Gibbs ran the most pass routes, 21 to 10. He played the most snaps. Uh, He ended up with 17 touches. You know, Monty ended up with 12, Uh, you know, and then inside the five, you know, Gibbs played four snaps and Monty played three. Remember Monty also was in on the drive that got stuck at the goal line. So like he had his opportunities too outside of the long touchdown. So it ended up being a little bit like that uh, kind of backfield. And it, it can work in this, like that. they're sustainable. Like they're not going to have this many points together on like a given week, but it's sustainable given that like they don't have like a true wide receiver too. Uh, you know, Sam Laporta is, the, is technically like the secondary <laughs> like target in this offense. And like, so as good as Laporta is, like he's not a dude that's like pushing like eight to 10 targets a week either. So there is an opportunity for like both of these guys to coexist due to like the structure of this offense. John, what do you got as far as Detroit, the backfield? Anything you want to add there? Anyone you favor as far as Gibbs versus Montgomery? Uh, just beyond Amon Ra and Laporta, is there anything worth looking at? I know Williams caught, caught a touchdown and was called back last week. It was good to see at least he's capable of doing that. But, uh, yeah. DPJ, zero snaps, Dean. Well, I thought uh, he, he was, was hurt. But was, he, was I thought he was healthy scratch. So we all have three different <laughs> things here. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm saying no, I'm saying he didn't play that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, okay. Either he, yeah, me, I guess he, yeah, he's not as good as Antoine yeah. Green or something. I, I guess I don't know. 
He's got a little hey, bit of playbook. It was, a, it was only a couple of weeks to integrate him to the offense. Maybe he's active this week. Jamison did run a route on a season high, 54% of dropbacks, uh, got called back from a touchdown for cheating and illegal block. Also, we, he did have that big crack block at the end of David Montgomery's run. So, like, that's the kind of thing I would imagine that that – Dan Campbell sees mm. because he he did he did spring Montgomery open for the final twenty five yards of that touchdown run. So I don't know. We'll see what DPJ's you know involvement is. But like Reeb said, they've already been limiting wide receivers. I don't think we need to get there in this game. The funny thing is though that that's the way these two offenses really kind of need to attack because both both defenses have been so elite against the run game. Uh, even the Lions are. Sixth in yards per attempt to opposing running backs, fourth in the league and limiting explosive plays on the ground. Like you have to attack him through the air. And we really haven't seen a full game from Justin Fields against Detroit. He got injured la- or he came back last year. They tried to get him the rushing record for a quarterback. So that was the one he was limited in. And then he didn't play another game the rest of the year. And then he hasn't played Detroit this season yet. Not only that, but remember, it was the commanders, and it was when the Broncos' defense was bad. Now they're an elite unit. But that's when Justin Fields spiked his top five finishes in fantasy before he got injured in the next game. So we haven't seen Fields since he played two terrible opponents and then reached his ceiling. But we at least know that whenever he started trending towards that ceiling performance, it was not only the passing attempts, but also that's when over the last two games, he had more design carries than the prior starts combined. Like they were, they were starting to figure it out. So it really just comes down to, do you think they're going to attack that way? And if so, that's how we get to the over. And that's how we really get to the Justin Fields side of the ball, which I'm more interested in stacking with DJ Moore as opposed to the uh, Jared Goff side. Yeah, I was going to ask us if you can play him naked or not. And if not, you're going to play him with more. I guess more is the obvious one. Uh, Komet is probably really bummed to see uh, see Bajan go. They seem to have a bit of a chemistry <laughs> together. Um, how many lineups do you got to make here, uh, uh, Rich, uh, as far as uh, getting some uh, a fields? You make a fields GPP lineup. How many lineups you got to make to get the fields? I'm probably not going to get the fields. I'm more interested in, like I said, him pushing maybe to just adding an element where he's not Tyson Bajan. <laughs> uh to this game but i mean you listen i'm gonna stick to myself like my process is i don't play these guys if you miss a bunch of time i'm probably not gonna play you man like uh like so i mean he's there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this pool uh i will get my access through justin fields maybe through like dj moore or cole Komet, like kind of run backs i mean because dj moore's usage with justin fields was so different than tyson beige and obviously Mm -hmm. the strength of those guys i mean he had a 30.6 deep target rate uh, with DJ, uh, with Justin Fields on the play, uh, on the field, Tyson Bajant, 14.3% of his targets were just deep 9.8 air yards per attempt with Bajant just wasn't Bajant's game. So at least just adds like an element of spike week potential for DJ Moore, who was kind of showing us that upside before Bajant kind of took over here. And then Cole Komet, he just has, he has touchdown equity with or without Bajant or Fields. Like this goes back to last year. Like they use him in the red zone. So he's always a guy that's capable of touchdown. I mean, he, when you look at tight ends that have multiple touchdowns in a game over the past two years, I think he's like right behind Kelsey and Mark Andrews. I think he has three games with two touchdowns. So like he has that kind of upside as well. And the, and the one area where the Lions have kind of been vulnerable is two tight ends this year. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, I think that's the way I'm going to play this game regardless, only because still last week, 
even if you want to call it a timeshare, 22 routes to David Montgomery's 11. And we know like that's how we get production on the Bears here. They're allowing six receptions and over 60 receiving yards per game to opposing running backs. So if we think this game is going to go over the total, I think Gibbs is the one I want. Uh, and then just hope David Montgomery doesn't poach him at the goal line. They haven't had a rushing touchdown to a running back since week three. Yeah, they've been awesome. No, they're like you said, they're, they're literally the number one defense in yards per carry. They've been all the it's very rare when defensive uh, spending and free agency pays off. We see that go wrong time and time again. But dude, the linebackers are studs in Chicago. And they traded for that. Uh, God, I can't. What's the guy's Montez name? From, yeah. Is, was that a good like, obviously, like, you know, it's it's about giving up the equity of the pick and all. It's uh was that a bad idea? Did they sign them long term? Did they already extend them or no? Or is that something mm-hmm. they have to plan on doing? I suppose I haven't followed up on it. They have not signed an extension. Okay, yeah, because that feels like something they're kind of married to if they're going to give up that kind of pick. But okay, anything else here as far as Chicago and Detroit? That's wild. That uh, I didn't realize. You know, I didn't realize how good Chicago's defense has been. You kind of kind of stuck up at me. Really, you guys good. putting all this stuff out. And the Montgomery revenge game doesn't sound like it's really going to be happening. I don't. I don't hear a lot of enthusiasm there. He could. I mean, he could. I could yeah. see this game being a little slow. I mean, we did. I think golf's in a good spot yeah. though. Uh, you know, indoors. Well, we see that the the Bears have. You know, they have allowed six QB one scoring weeks. I think uh, definitely because golf, golf. The one thing the Bears actually don't do well is they don't pressure the quarterback. That's like they're not doing that at all. And when golf hasn't been pressured, like he's been incredible. Twelve touchdowns, one interception. So. Yeah, I mean, I think Goff is still in play. He's just a tougher stacking uh, quarterback this week than he was last week. You uh, you mentioned the the speed of the game. I may play a little bit slow. Yeah, I referenced uh, Cardi's blitz earlier, and it's got it as the second slowest game on the board as far as plays. Uh, Tampa San Fran, the slowest for what it's worth. You guys got anything else as far as Detroit Chicago, or shall we talk about Seattle and the Rams? Uh, I'm sorry, Brock Wright stole your Sam Laporta touchdown last week, Reeves. That's all I Yeah, have. It's, a, it's a bummer. It was a sweet play. That was a sweet you play. Can't, you can't really tell them apart either, especially when they're running open down the field. It's like, oh, there he is. Oh, no. It was a sweet play. They had that one in their bag, man. They pulled it out the right time. It was a really did good play. Uh, did you have like a live lineup or is this like season long stuff as far as Laporta? Um, um, just- I had a mix in to, to some stacks with Goff. I basically, last week, I only played, you know, Goff and Gino. He got there. I mean, Goff. Goff got yeah. there. It's just that someone else we're going to talk about uh, is kind of murdering DFS right now and football in general. Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks, they're taking on the Rams. 46 and a half is the total. The Rams are one point dogs here at home. John, dealer's choice, start where you want to, wherever you want to start as far as Seattle versus the Rams. Bears lines and Seahawks Rams was in a uh, fight to make the show with the Chargers <laughs> and Packers. But I just can't do the Jordan Love thing, man. I, I've sat on it for literally 48 hours, and I'm like, I don't think, as good as the process is, I don't think I can get there. And this is coming from someone who got to Taylor Heineke in lesser lineups last week, and I can't do Jordan Love. Maybe we'll talk about Understood. that in a bit. But let's start with uh, – I'll start with the Matthew Stafford side because Sean McFay and Stafford have been able to keep these games close, actually, um, with Pete Carroll. Even last year, remember, it was Baker Mayfield and John Wolford started those two games and the Seahawks only outscored the Rams by seven points. And then in week one, Stafford came out without Cooper cup and he just winged it around for 337 yards and eight and a half yards per attempt. Not only that, but Stafford is practicing in full. So we think he can grip the ball. It's always a good thing for a quarterback. 
And that doesn't mean I necessarily want to play the slate through him. It just gives me a little more confidence in the passing game if I, and if I want to sneak in one of their expensive receivers into my tournament lineups. And we talked last week how Seattle has been leaning on zone coverage on over 80% of their snaps which is my personal threshold. That's when I feel extremely confident that the scheme won't change no matter what the offense brings to the table. And not only has Stafford been better under the hood, by the way, not on the surface, under the hood against zone coverage, only two touchdowns this year, but in terms of adjusted completion rate, which accounts for drops and batted passes that lead to errors, um, uh, he's actually just ninth in that stat. And he's only one of five quarterbacks to average over eight yards per attempt against zone. And I think we have a little bit of a lean here for Puka Nakua as well. Uh, Stafford is a much better quarterback when he's under pressure. The Seahawks, since they're by, are 22nd in pressure rate, even when they've gotten everyone healthy. And then Puka Nakua has had favorable splits against zone, seeing 67% of his targets for a league-high 49 catches and the seventh-most yards per route run. I also think the bye just kind of came at a perfect time for Puka because he was dealing with injuries like before the bye. Uh, he, he was limited on Wednesday, but again, we don't really pay attention to that, so we'll see if he gets a full practice in before the week closes, and if so, I'll have a lot more confidence in him. So, yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting game for sure. We're getting discounts like uh, that's as far as like three weeks ago. Nakua and uh, Cup are both what 10 15 percent cheaper. And well, down from like down to like to instead of 9k for Cup, it's it's 8k instead of like seven, seven and a half, 8k, eight and change for Nakua. He's seven one on DK. Uh, and we're assuming that Stafford's gonna be back, so this offense should click. Uh, Rich, your favorite amongst those two receivers, are we messing with the backfield is all at all for the Rams? Oh, god, no. Yeah, no, I'm not playing those guys. I mean, they, they have a lean to playing Daryl Henderson a little bit more than Roy Streaman, but Roy Streaman's been like superior in like every area. Uh, but so I'm, I'm not just, I'm just not going to get there. It's interesting. <laughs> Seattle is a team that I've been monitoring like throughout the course of the season. They're not a team I particularly like the challenge. And that, although Sam Howell got there last week, it was pretty weird how he got there. Uh, like the two broken plays against Brian Robinson. I mean, Brian Robinson at 120 receiving yards. Yeah. Like, like what in the world? Like the receivers did nothing because like with with Tariq Woolen and Devin Witherspoon on the field together, Seattle is allowing the lowest yards per catch to wide receivers, uh, the third lowest catch rate to wide receivers. And remember, these guys did like Reek Woolen just came off of injury to play in that first game and got banged up in that first game. Witherspoon didn't play. They've been so good against the pass. And, like, I'm scared, like, they're sealing opportunities for any of the wide receivers. Now, it could get there because, like Dangle said, like, McVay has schemed up a lot of stuff in this matchup. And, you know, even going back to the first game uh, where, like, we we thought, like, you know, the Rams are going to be a deplorable team. And they, they obviously weren't. Uh, they were able to get guys open all, all game, too. So he might just have, like, kind of the number here against the – he might have the blueprint. Um, but I am so cautious that they're stealing opportunity, just given that even like last week where they gave up the 300 passing yards, like none of the receivers got there for Washington. So I'm still hesitant. Uh, also, Seattle's allowing the lowest rate of receptions outside wide receivers again. Like they, they corrected it like at the beginning of the season when Reek was hurt. Like we saw some of that where they're, you were able to beat them up a little bit outside. Um, it's just a different defense than when these teams played when Puka had the 10 catches and like, you know, for 119 yards. So I'm a little cautious there. Uh, Cup's been playing more in the slot than Puka. Um, 
could they get there? I think it's more of a like a good tournament call, right? Like if you're playing those guys, like because they're at their price range too. Like they become very much large field guys, and that makes them more appealing uh, in that setting. John, what do you got in Seattle? Uh, it's kind of the same thing. We're in week one. Remember, this is that first game where they lost uh, Abe Cro- uh, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, they kind of lost their starting tackles and had been panicking since. And the reason why we had all the confidence in Gino, despite, you know, not getting there to that point last week. And, and by the way, in the first half, you watched that game. It didn't look like he was a good there either. Luckily we had those last oh God, two possessions. Dude. Luckily we had those last two possessions where he went, I believe it was six of eight for 98 yards and a touchdown before that though, man, like we just never thought he was a good there. But like Stafford, he's been a completely different quarterback when he's not under pressure. And the Rams are still slightly below average, only 18th in in getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So that's kind of the faith you lean on here. But again, I I don't even know if I – I don't know if I get to Geno. I'm still trying to figure it out throughout builds. He is still cheap, but it is a a stack quarterback week because they really didn't move Brock Purdy's uh, salary either. We'll get there eventually too. I believe Purdy was the one that was hitting the most optimals here mm-hmm. on a Wednesday night on DK. Yeah, he was the most popular game, yeah. quarterback. Uh, Goff, by the way, for what it's worth, we talked about Goff previously. He was the second most popular quarterback. Uh, Rich, can you sell me anybody in Seattle? Anybody excite you on Seattle as far as runbacks if you're playing Ram stuff? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, DK just, man, he's he's got to fight tooth and nail at this point to try to get Dude, there. I mean, four, he... four yards from that bonus last week. And then you couple <laughs> that with – four yards for Brock Purdy from the bonus and Christian McCaffrey from the bonus as well. Just like five yards. It was like the most frustrating 15 points I've ever left off the board in entirety. Hey, they but were trying the to game get McCaffrey. Plan, oh, yeah, but the game plan even for Seattle last week, like they didn't attack Washington, like where Washington is vulnerable. I mean, DK yeah. literally had two catches for 44 yards on that last drive. And he, he had the beast, the beast mode, uh, you know, catch and run to set up the game game winning field goal. But he needed that just to get to the 98, let alone the, the two short of it. I mean, he, he's not scoring touchdowns. Uh, the Rams have only allowed a 2.3% touchdown rate to wide receivers. Uh, they're also like another like zone heavy team. Uh, they play a ton of cover four and quarters and like DK has done nothing against them. He's got a 40% target rate for outrun against man, a 17% target rate against zone. So like all the signal would be more of like a locket, like versus like the coverage stuff that the Rams run. Remember when these teams played in week one too, Seattle ran 12 plays in the second half. Like it, <laughs> it was like the most, it was like the fewest amount of plays a team ran in the second half of a game, like a decade. It was absolutely just a really mm-hmm. weird game. Uh, so I assume they run more than 12 plays here. And, and the Rams defense has really, as the course of the season's kind of moved on, like they've waned as the season has gone on and they've started to become Fair. Like, more of the leaky defense as it's, uh, as we kind of expected they'd be with all the young talent that are not to say young talent, the young players that they have starting the inexperience that they have on their defense. Well, uh, what, and uh, what was my point I was about to make? Uh, I can't remember. Go ahead, D. I'll figure it out. Well, I'm going to segue away from Seattle and the Rams. Unless you guys got anything else, we can talk about our favorite quarterbacks amongst games and teams we've not yet talked about. Uh, I guess we can talk about Brock Purdy if you want to talk about Brock Purdy, Rich. Brock Purdy, yeah, he's, you keep playing Brock Purdy. I mean, why is this price 5800? How does that make I mean, sense? I know, Mister Irrelevant. 
I mean, it's super weird because, like, even we talked about last week, we talked about that game and, like, how he was still even with the turnovers that had been, like, incredible. He's now thrown – he's completed over 70% of his passes in three straight games. He's got over 11 yards for pass attempt in his past two games. Leads the NFL in yards for pass attempt. Uh, leads the NFL in completion rate on throws, over 10 air yards or more downfield. 62% completion rate on those throws. NFL average is 49%. Tampa Bay has been getting – like, they had a little bit – they stopped a little bit of the bleeding against Will Levis last week. Uh, but even with that game, since they're by, they're 31st in yards for pass attempt allowed. They're not pressuring their quarterback when they haven't pressured their quarterback. Uh, they're at the bottom of the league in all these metrics. Obviously, Purdy, when you keep him clean, he's incredible. They're at home, 11-point favorites. I mean, he's way too cheap. Like, there's, he should be, he should be what, 65, 6,600? Yeah, for sure, without question. Um, and, like, yeah, again, he's probably, like, who knows, Wednesday night. But as of right now, a pretty solid cash game option. You got anybody else uh, besides Purdy? Do you want to yield to John? I mean, he. I just talked about Purdy, so he can talk, but he can take some. I think it's a really good quarterback slate again, though. Um, I have less confidence in you in the quarterback slate. I, I think I can dwindle it down to like four guys this week, whereas last week, dude, like even by Friday night, I had like seven in my pool, and I just couldn't dwindle it down until I finally got to Dak and, and Taylor Heineke. So return was split don't worry about that part uh also quickly because i didn't remember what i wanted to talk about that the seahawks running backs like like rich mentioned last week how it was a if not now when kind of week but what it turned out to be was a you had this happen and you should feel lucky kind of week like with dk metcalf we're kind of at the time of the season where the same guys are popping up in all of our like Air yards, expected point models. Like you see every single week, it's Tony Pollard, Joe Mixon, DK Metcalf, Christian, uh, Chris Olave, Christian Watson. It's just the same guys every week because they're getting the same kind of touches and targets that go nowhere. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the fact we got a Quentin Johnson touchdown on a 10% target share in a week that both <laughs> Kim Allen and Gerald Everett left early, I felt like I got away with that one. I feel like the David Montgomery 75-yard touchdown, we kind of got away with that one considering – he hadn't handled less than 70% of the backfield touches in his other two games. He started with Jameer Gibbs. And then the Kenneth Walker one going back to Seattle's backfield. Man, like if we don't get that 65-yard underneath pass, good Lord. I don't think people understand how bad that was going to be. Because these last two games now, like Walker has handled 66% of backfield touches. But Zach Charbonnet has run a route on over 50% of dropbacks in every game. The last two weeks, he's out snapped Kenneth Walker 40, 41 to 1 on third and fourth down. They don't even use Kenneth Walker basically on passing downs anymore. So if you don't get that explosive play, which I know is his calling card, but man, it is so ugly for his ceiling. So I would argue Walker is just kind of overpriced yet again for this matchup, unless you just want to chase the big play. I mean, it reminded me of that Brees Hall touchdown a couple weeks ago, like where yeah. he just caught that dump off and just yeah. like really no one kind of touched touches. him, like just like yeah. and just just cruise the end zone. I uh, uh, I kind of sucked out with Walker, but like I, I had a ton of them, and like yeah, I was I was feeling the pain until to be fair, he made out. sense though last week because he was the complete Agreed. leverage play. He was a hundred percent leverage play because the Seattle passing game was going to be really popular, and it was popular. Yeah. Oh, even, the, even, the bummer is Gino threw the touchdown. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even uh, JSN 
because there was no value at wide receiver last week in tournaments because you can't say like Trenton Irwin was a value because he's stone men and you can't play stone men Trenton Irwin into 30% ownership in tournaments. JSN then became the natural guy to fall into tournament ownership. Like in small fields, he was 15, 20% rostered. And why mm-hmm. the hell would you ever play JSN into 20% rostered in tournaments? So it's just kind of the way it works, which is also why I pay attention to the cash game so much because you can kind of start seeing the evolution of how your tournament lineup builds and then how you cry on Sunday nights because you tried to be objectively sharp. Uh, but also, my only quarterback, and then I can kick it back to Reeves because I don't really don't have anyone else, is Dak Prescott. Uh, yeah. producer, producer Steve can just cut last week's spiel about, about Dak <laughs> and end in, in here again because it's the same shit. Tony Pollard got cheaper, and the field is not understanding that this offense runs through Dak. Over his last four games, a 70% completion rate, league high, 12 passing touchdowns, league high, 9.2 yards per attempt, league high, and 29.8 fantasy points per game under center. Not only that, but they've taken the running backs out, which has made them a better red zone offense, and that's why the Cowboys in that span are now averaging the sixth highest pass play rate from a two-score game script. They don't even run the ball anymore when they have a lead. And not only that, People are going to get to Pollard because he's cheaper. But remember, the Panthers are a top five run defense since they returned from their bye. It's a three-game sample, I know, but that includes holding Jonathan Taylor with 2.6 yards per carry, too. So I'm just going to ignore the Pollard stuff, and I'll go right back to Dak Onslaughts. I don't think uh, you could get away from Pollard on FanDuel, though. He's too cheap. Totally fair. Yes, I was talking about DraftKings. Uh, what did yeah, he, Fan- I actually think he's too expensive on DraftKings and he's too cheap on FanDuel. What Fan- I thought you were being sarcastic, by the way. I, thought, I wasn't sure if you were being serious or not. because you. No, I mean, dude, he's, I, think he's, so. I, I think on FanDuel he is, let me check, he's 6-something. Six 6-9 six or 6-6. Six six. Um, yeah. Because he's 6-9 on one site. What's interesting what is. is that he surprisingly is not hitting optimals very hard. On he should on DraftKings, he, on DraftKings, I think he's too expensive. I don't think he should be 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> uh, so the optimals I ran, he's hitting 20% Fandle, just 20%. Uh, Jacobs, by the way, is hitting the threshold uh, on both sites. We'll talk about How him, the I hell is he going to carry the ball 20 times in that game? Well, I mean, they're going to keep giving it to him. <laughs> That's the game plan, right? And I, until the score is twenty-eight to three, if, if they, yeah, if they want to, I mean, uh, he's not. A, he, uh, we'll talk. All right, we'll talk about it. I'll I'll fade Jacobs. We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, I mean, Jacobs is kind of sort of in that mold of Mixon, where like he, he, this he is not even get targets anymore. Beat me. Yeah, uh, and by the way, Pollard only six percent, six percent of the Wednesday night DK lineups, uh, and I add some variants and things like that, some bells and some whistles, but. Jacobs is hitting the threshold right there with Brees Hall. I guess that's a, a good entry into the running back conversation. So, John, uh, if you think Jacobs is going to be popular. I said more quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Yeah, no, Reeves. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, I want to hear that. My is small. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, well, I mean, Dak, too, for sure. It, it, you know, you just keep playing Dak for all the reasons Bagel said. But, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Tua, Tua looks amazing, you know, definitely sure. in this spot at home uh, against the, a, a, a Raiders pass defense that doesn't put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they should be, and the Raiders like they just give you all the underneath stuff you want. Like that's the structure of their defense. So I mean, man, he's gonna have so many completions if they want them. Uh, we'll see what we do with the running backs there. And then, um, I mean, listen, Sam Howell. Like, does does nobody want to play Sam Howell? Like the dude just keeps getting there. He's like, he's like the 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 current Ryan Fitzpatrick dude. Like he just <laughs> he's out here just having a blast. He gets there every time. And plus, he was so bad against the Giants. He's only had two bad games. 
that I don't know if people will get there, but like the Giants are like sunk into the abyss since then. <laughs> like they've been, their defense has been so bad. And what the the Commanders have done since the Giants game structurally, they've made changes. Uh, over the past three weeks, he's thrown just fifty percent of his passes over five yards downfield. That's twenty third in the NFL. Before that, it, he was thirteenth in the NFL. He's gone from two point seven seconds time of release down to 2.6 he's gone from 20th to 12th they have him throwing the ball more behind the line of scrimmage than ever they're like they're getting the ball out of his hands quicker for completions and they've swerved into just like the cowboys like they've just abandoned the run now i think they will run by default of game script here except you know 10 point home favorites and you know brian robinson will be on the menu uh but like man i don't i think he's he's definitely just a guy you keep going back to because he's he's gonna get there he just gets there every week who do you pair him with is the issue, one of the issues with Washington, because they do that Kansas City thing where, like, 19 guys get catches. Oh, you know. I mean, you, Terry McLaurin was the one – I mean, listen, the, yeah. last week was, again, because they played Seattle. Terry McLaurin, that was the first week in six weeks he was in the top 25 receiver. He leads the team in targets against the Blitz. Uh, he leads the team in targets against man coverage. Like, I think it's pretty cut and dry that's Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, but it, it's Terry and I guess maybe Dotson, but yeah, Terry's the obvious stuff. I suppose if you want some Thomas by all means, but Terry seems like the obvious choice. Okay. Um, any more quarterbacks? Are we talking, uh, talking some running backs? Let's have the Josh Jacobs conversation. And if we're here on a Wednesday night, we can like, we can pull the, uh, the Pollard stuff and just say whatever you said about Pollard last week, we could say about Jacobs, I suppose, but if he's going to be super popular, um, maybe it's bad chalk. We'll see. Certainly not a. You want to play a road like what is the uh, their twelve a road dog of twelve points? No. Yeah, uh, yeah, West Coast, yeah, to East Coast, okay. first the Miami team. It's coming off a bye. No, I don't want to. And nobody loves the interim head coach like the Raiders fans. Like right, like they yeah. beat the the Giants, the Jets the past two weeks. I, and like I think it's a cool story, but we also know yeah. how this fairy tale ends. Like this doesn't last, man. Like like you just said. They played the Giants and the Jets. They're not going to be able to have the league's highest run play rate as they've had the last two games because, like, the Dolphins are 28th in place per game, but they have the highest touchdown rate on their drives. Like, in a blink of an eye, Aiden O'Connell's going to be down by three scores. What do you think the Raiders are going to do then? If they run the ball, you won't get there with Josh Jacobs anyhow. So you just don't play Josh Jacobs. Amir Abdullah season. That's what I'm hearing. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, I mean, we we I'm don't just saying know. if you're if you're yeah. if they're chalk running back, it's gonna be a 12-point dog on the road. Yeah, I mean, what are we it's doing a bad spot. Like uh, like you said, like that, like the Pollard stuff, even like the last week of Pollard stuff, like it, the game environment was still all there, right? Like you have a home home huge home favorite, right? Like this is the opposite of that. This is the, the inverse <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hope he's popular and I don't think I want to pay him. Uh that that's pretty much where I'm at. Oh. I doubt uh, he will though. I mean, because like I bet right now, because Singletary, like we don't know if Singletary's available yet. Like, because if Singletary's available, he'll be the most popular guy. He's cheap though. He's six eight on DK and seven three on FanDuel. If you can tell yourself no. a story that the game's going to be. I thought he was like 52 on. Jacobs, I'm talking about Jacobs. No, we're talking about. Uh, I'm talking about yeah. Singletary. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I didn't. Okay. My bad. I didn't realize. You, I, didn't, I heard you mention Singletary, but I was still kind of sticking to the why people are going to play. Chan's the same price as the draft. He's too cheap. Yeah. Dude, I, 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 would, right. I, would, I would combat that 6 is too expensive on DraftKings because, again, he's not getting targeted from Aiden O'Connell either. Yeah. 
uh, again, I'm, I'm not here. I'm not yeah, yeah. dying on the hill of like I want. I want to play. Oh, I know, I'm not yelling at you. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're trying to skate to where the puck is going, Dean, and I don't think that Jacobs is going to be twenty percent. We only play sling plays on this show. We canceled the other plays. Antonio Pierce said, "If the uh, if we get hundred yards out of Jacobs, we're going to win, and that's the plan." That's right? the that's the rule. This is this is going to go well. I'm rooting for Antonio Pierce, game. but this easy game. Yeah. But you mentioned Achan. How do we feel about Achan? We kind of mentioned two. We didn't mention one more piece in the uh, the receiving arsenal. The coming off a bye, I felt like it came like a good time for Miami. Achan coming off, and it seems like he's like healthy and good to go. Like he probably could have played, possibly could have played a week ago. Uh, so I think it's like all systems go for him. But yeah, John, you mentioned the price on HN. Are you in? Uh, are you just going to go right back to him and assume he's perfectly fine? And this matchup against the Raiders feels like he's going to break one for like 30 plus. Raheem Mostert is still a little banged up, apparently, post by with his ankle injury. Uh, like Reeves said, they are double digit favorites at home with HN having an extended two weeks to rest off of the bye week. So I would think he's a little healthier. Uh, curious about Reeves since he does have the rule about not playing uh, running backs or not playing players when they come back from injury. But I think it's a pretty sweet setup, honestly. Oh, a at and the fact that he's still like the RB one in points per game. Remember, even on limited touches, it's just kind of like Keith Mitchell, where even if you're going to get eight to twelve touches, I'm probably just going to play you in your range of running backs this week. Yeah, I don't. I think for this archetype of player, it doesn't really matter, right? Like the <laughs> like me say, like they have like limitations because we're only playing him for one outcome, regardless, right? Right. Like you're playing, you're playing Ajan for him to turn his twelve touches into 150 yards and maybe like two <laughs> two house calls. Like that's what you're playing him for. Like this isn't a guy that was like dependent on you know 20 carries, uh, like to get there, right? So like, there's no like. There's not going to be a restriction even if he's limited because that he was limited before. Uh, you know, yeah. he only had 38 carries. <laughs> I, uh, I, he I think those two weeks to heal extra over his bye week, like, are really selling me on HN more than anything. It's like, okay, that's how he's I had feel more too. time than a lot of people. I mean, I don't, I mean, Mike, uh, Mike McDaniel is pretty like coy about like not really like giving us anything concrete, but here's the thing HN is still, he hasn't played uh, since week five. And he's yeah. he's third in the NFL in rushing yards on runs of ten or more yards. Still, <laughs> Mostert is second. He has one more yard than Achan. Chris McCaffrey's first and has twenty three more yards than Achan. He hasn't played since week five. Like, that's a good stat. Like just absolutely, just he was so electric, and you know that's why everyone's copying Keaton Mitchell to him. Like the same thing. Like get, find some touches for this kid. Uh, he's the fastest humans alive. Uh, <laughs> the schemes they were in. And like they said, not only are they twelve point home favorites. Like the Raiders have been like one of the premier targets for us for backfield the entire year. I mean, they're 30th in yards from scrimmage, allowed to running backs, 28th in yards per carry. They're allowing an explosive run rate, 30th, uh, 14.1% of the of carries. Like, it, and Miami, so Miami has faced two defenses below the Raiders uh, in that department of yards for scrimmage, allowed to running backs. One was the Panthers. In that game, they combined for their running backs combined for 194 yards and four touchdowns. The other one was the Broncos, and we know how that one went. 400. They, their running backs had 441 yards and seven touchdowns. I guess I can't believe that was a real game that happened. Uh, that's like a season's worth of stats in that one game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What uh, Any other running backs we want to talk about? Uh, CMC, always CMC, if you have the money for it. We saw last week that uh, – you know, Shanahan cares about your fantasy team, or at least he cares enough to get that. That was uh, egregious, man. What egregious <laughs> effort. Yeah, it's probably the dumb, the dumbest play in NFL, the dumbest series in NFL history was trying to let him get there. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, thankfully nothing happened and he was fine, but like if also, something happened, yeah. Also trying to let him get there with Ronnie Bell, Sam Donald, and Charlie <laughs> Warner. Like at least leave the rest of the guys out there. Like, why is this guy trying to set records with those dudes? At least be coy about it. Like you're blatantly, like, this is you're very clearly saying this is what we're trying was, to do uh, here. Well, I mean, yeah, after second down, the Jaguars like clearly knew what was happening. Yeah. He ran two routes yeah. and like there's <laughs> put like, nine guys I mean, on McCaffrey. The, Again, the moment I saw Charlie Warner, I was like, okay, we know what's going on here. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, anybody else here that really kind of stands out for you guys, running back-wise? Brees Hall? Yeah, yeah. Kind of popular? I, think, uh, I think it's a pretty I good play, actually. I have, I, have a lot of, I have a lot more running backs than last week. I think Brian Robinson is interesting. Kind of like the reason Reeves mentioned, but if we think the commanders just douse the Giants – Gibson won't be there, but he won't be on the field. Uh, so, like, we can get away with Robinson's carries, and Robinson has outcarried Gibson 36 to 10 the past three games. But if we think he's going to be out there anyways for a positive game script, he can probably get away with these targets since the commanders are 14th in running back target rate, above average rate, since they started changing the structure of their offense and getting rid of the ball quicker. So, I think we can get away with Brian Robinson tournaments. Brees Hall. I mean, we just had Michael Carter cut. That's kind of the guy who's been holding him back on passing downs and third downs. So just for talent alone and assuming more touches in his place, I think Brees Hall will probably become a quite a popular cash game option by the end of the week. And then Aaron Jones is interesting. We didn't talk about Jordan Love. Again, I tried to wrap my head around it. I couldn't <laughs> do it. I've said some ugly suggestions on this show. I couldn't get Jordan Love. But for, like, not only did we just see the Lions running backs together, burn the Chargers defense to the ground. It's a spot we continue to target. And although AJ Dillon was still involved for 10 touches to Aaron Jones, 17 last week, Aaron Jones, that's why we look at shares rather than raw numbers. He still handled 63% of backfield touches, which is back-to-back games with season high marks. So you would just think that he's someone like he's an answer to pivot off of the Packers passing game in a great spot as well. You got anybody else, Rich? Anybody sneaky? Anybody off the board? Anybody super obviously missed? Yeah, I have a couple. I will say Brees Hall scares the life out of me. Uh, hmm. Definitely okay. price and talent definitely stands up. But he's now above – there's 28 running backs, so 100 or more carries this season. 
He's now only above Rashad White in success rate. Only Jerome Ford has a higher rate of runs that have failed to gain yardage. Uh, he Since he ran for 177 yards against Denver, he's rushed 53 times for 134 yards over his four games since. And the Bills have been a lot better against the run the past month. Uh, they're only allowing 3.4 yards per carry to running backs. That's fifth in the league. 72.9% success rate. So they just like, and they were good against the run before. They were just giving up explosives, uh, uh, like letting guys out the gates. So like, if that comes back, that's like what you're hoping for, Brees Hall. But like, the Jets' offensive line is absolutely abysmal right oh, now. Oh, it's dreadful. Yeah. Like they cannot block, man. I don't think it's a Brees Hall problem. I shouldn't say that Brees Hall scares me as much as like just the environment. I think the the Jets' env- offensive environment from a rushing structure is just lousy. It is. What just, are their practices is- like? Because their D line is ridiculous and their offensive line is horrific, right? So they must just like. Bully him around. I don't think they still hit each other. I do think Dago's right. Though. I think at, at 6,400, I think he's going to be really popular, though. Uh, yeah. Because just because the upside he offers. And I don't have any problem with it. Uh, my Amon Ra play of the week, my favorite running back on the entire slate is Austin Eckler, though. Uh, you know, Austin Eckler has had just an, ab- an absolutely miserable slate since he's come back. They face nothing but incredible run defense since he's come back. He's faced the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bears, the Jets, and the Lions since he's come back. But he keeps getting just an immense workload. I mean, he hit 82% of the backfield carries. Uh, he's had seven targets in his past three games. Now he's getting this Green Bay defense that's been trampled on the run. They let the Steelers run down their throats the entire <laughs> game last week. The Steelers ran for 206 yards on the Packers last week. Also, with the state of this wide receiver core, it's back to where we were last year. Like if Keenan Allen doesn't play in this game, and I think Keenan Allen probably will play in this game, but if Keenan Allen doesn't play this game, like we're back to where we were last year. With with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams off the field last year, Austin Eckler had 26% of the team targets. Like even if Keenan Allen's banged up, I still think we're getting seven plus targets. We've That's got his first good his first good like matchup on the ground there. If this they just if his game was at home, I'd feel a little bit maybe more like going all in. But I think he's probably my favorite running back on the slate. You gotta pay for him, but like, yeah, he absolutely sure. be a separator for sure. Uh, Rich gave the Amon Ra play of the week or the play of the week by position. Uh, John on Twitter, you give the uh, the F around and find out. Do we know who we're effing <laughs> around with and finding out? Uh, just yeah, just yet. Yeah, oh, kind of oh, buddy, we even when I had Dak stats, we found out what happens when you play Drake London with Taylor Heineke, and it was not <laughs> it was not good. Like, that was literally a core single injury for me. And Drake London, boy, he did not get there. No, my wide receiver pool is actually pretty shallow too, because again, I think that's where we're really grasping at straws here between, you know, Keenan Allen being out. So maybe everyone naturally gets to Quentin Johnston and Jalen Guyton. Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins, I don't mind going back to him. The, the thesis is like Will Levis has been so bad under pressure, even last week, just two of eight. Now he's at completing 41% of his passes for just four and a half yards per attempt under pressure. But the entire reason we got to Brock Purdy onslaughts last week was because the Jaguars defense is severely overrated. And again, they did not create pressure at all. Still a bottom eight team in creating pressure on the entire season. So I don't mind getting back to DeAndre Hopkins since he leads the team in target share. Don't watch the game because watching Will <laughs> Levis will give you some emotions, man. Like that ball flies everywhere <laughs> anytime it leaves his hands. And then... Yes, like Reeves kind of set it up. It's not good. It's not pretty. But I understand like the thesis of the slate and trying to find value anywhere. And maybe it is 
Darius Slayton for cheap because <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I thought that's isn't were you it's really gonna bring him up or did I force it? Nah, you kind of forced it, but I mean, still, like we know the uh, the commander. Your favorite player is, is Darius Slayton. Your favorite player in the NFL? Uh, Isaiah McKenzie is actually my favorite player because he's too talented and should add more reps. But uh, you know, Jalen Hyten's out. Again, Tommy DeVito was the QB 15 last week. We know we talked about it last week. Like uh Geno Smith got there as well. Um, every all the entire passing game can get there against Washington. I don't know, man. Don't I pressure me. I love it. I don't know. Not a I'm still not trying a, to find value. I'm still trying. Not not an endorsement, but I'm pretty sure on the last play, like the last series of the game, the Giants were down like 40 or so. Slate was still out there. Like he was still catching like five yeah, they, they don't like him as much as me. Listen, DeVito, DeVito was huge last week. Him stealing those couple points away from the Cowboys defense was huge because I didn't play any Cowboys D last week. But he, yeah. he, those late, the garbage, that late garbage time touchdown actually stripped a few points away from Dallas. It was huge, man. Did you, did you pivot to Ravens as well? <laughs> yeah, I had, I had I, Ravens. I played uh, Ravens everywhere. I had Buccaneers. I had um, Seattle. Yeesh. Did not work out. Buccaneers was good. Buccaneers was a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Buccaneers I had uh, uh, against Levis. I do. Like, it, it's funny because the way Tommy DeVito plays football is not good, but it's good for fantasy. <laughs> he's he's literally scrambling on 20% of his dropbacks. He just literally takes off, man. And he adds these rushing points every single week. It's wild. But God Who's bless him. I was worse. sitting there watching. I was the only one watching, like, the end of that game. Like, come on, steal some of these points from Cowboys D. Whose line is worse, the Giants or the Jets? Can like the, the New York, the state of New York? I guess they're in New Jersey. But you know what I mean? Go with it. Uh, can they form one decent line between the two teams no. and they somehow morphed? No. No. Right? So I, one that would, they'd have, they'd have two good starters, can. right? They'd have you'd have Andrew Thomas and you'd have Barrett Tucker when he's healthy, and like the rest of the dudes you'd have to put together. That's amazing. Although, let the yeah. record show. This is the Jets' fault. I, I don't think it's the Giants' fault. They don't have the best offensive line, but Tyron Taylor was doing just fine. Daniel Jones has cowered under pressure this year. Literally the worst quarterback, has the highest sack rate taken in the league. But the Jets understood they had a 40-year-old quarterback and not only did nothing to get a better backup, because again, he's 40 years old, but did nothing to improve their offensive line. This is their fault. I don't feel sorry for them. This is a DFS. We care about this week and this week only. But like, are we buying that uh, Rodgers is going back in a couple weeks? Is that is that going to happen, or uh, will we'll, <laughs> we put yeah. any thought into that, or we don't care? I'll, it's listen, whatever. But, but talk to me when it happens. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a waste of time. I'm not but, concerning yeah. myself with it right right this right this moment. That's that's probably the best way to deal with it. Okay, let's talk. Yeah. Think of other things we love talking about is tight ends. Uh, our favorite tight ends that we've not yet. You want some about. more wide receivers or no? I just oh, yeah, oh please go ahead. Them, go for it. I'm sorry. Did I cut? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. No, I got a few more too. Obviously, we when, you have, when you have something like what's going on with CD, CD Lamb, we saw like last week where like people don't believe it's sustainable, so like his ownership starts to drop. Like we saw that. Like if you yeah. were like, well, he's not going to have ten for one fifty every game. We saw this with AJ Brown when he was on his streak too, right? People were like, "Ah, well, that, we, I know the streak's gonna end. I don't want to play him." Like, man, CD Lamb, you just keep playing him. We talk, uh, Brandon Ayuk. We talked about with like again, like we talked about Tampa Bay against outside wide receivers. Uh, Levis got in the way for us last week, but uh, there was opportunities in that game for DeAndre Hopkins to make plays. Uh, so I still like Ayuk the most of the 49ers guys. I got a wild card for you. Okay, Adam Adam Thielen. 
Uh, they kind of been left for dead. Sure. But uh, so I wrote I wrote about this last week, and I've been writing about it for a couple weeks in the worksheet. But like, if you as the samples grown in this season, like Thielen has only been good in blowouts, like when Carolina gets flooded. And like we have kind of one of those potential games where like they're huge dogs, and like they they played like three games in a row with neutral game script, and Thielen hasn't gotten there. Also, the Cowboys play man coverage on 43% of their snaps against man coverage. And Thielen is 38% of the team targets. He's been targeted on 30% of his routes, two and a half yards per route run against zone, only 23% of team targets, 1.53 yards per route run, target on 20.4% of his of his routes. I mean, it's gross. No one wants to really play him at that price. He hasn't been good, but uh, I still think the signal kind of leads towards, you know, him being kind of good again this week. I should have mentioned him, yeah, because I'm so high on Dak stacks, whether it be just in terms of finding value too, because you can go to Jake Ferguson and or Brandon Cooks that I was probably naturally going to play Thielen for his target share negative game script uh, and hope to get there with like a little natural game stack. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the salary should be cheaper, right? It's like, not it's been, really though. Yeah, it hasn't come down. Like you figure we get a That's also why no one's going to play it. No, yeah, yeah, he's not getting played at 75. No, no. 7-5 DK. 7K on Fandle, probably a little bit better play. Yeah. Probably a little better play. Uh, if you don't have the salary to, to, to do that as a run back, are you okay with, like, Hubbard? Is Hubbard a better run no, back God, than Mingo? No, no don't no? play Hubbard. Don't play Is Hubbard, Hubbard not going to get, like, little dump-offs, like, if they're, they're, they're coming back here? Is, uh, I mean, he ask, just... ask Tony Pollard how touches are going. Like, no, don't the touches don't matter. Do not play Hubbard. All right. Well, what if I? Okay, I'm just trying to think if I have I, no money. Uh, I, I think yeah. maybe this is the line you use, Reeves, and I think I've stolen your line now this week. Is that uh, the like how Miles Sanders got benched is how Chuba Hubbard yeah. is playing right now. Like, yeah. So like <laughs> Hubbard's going to get benched because he's playing just like Miles Sanders was. Well, we've started to see it the last cut, even last week. His touch, they just dropped a little bit. His touch share, the Miles Sanders started to play a little yep. bit on passing downs. It's like, all right, just like enough. eventually there's like, well, we paid this guy. Let's at least go back to him a little bit because the other and, guys that do a thing when it's really just a structure problem, right? Like they just suck at offense. And yeah. like the Seahawks backfield, like just enough is more than enough to cannibalize one another. And then you're just crossing your fingers. Either one gets there. Yeah. Give Blackshear a shot. Why not? So if you're just uh, running people out there, he'll probably fall on his face too. Obviously, like you said, it's the, just the way the, the offense is set up. Uh, got anything else here? Rich, as far as receiver, anybody else we should focus on? As far as a big spend, Rich, you got um, Tariq or do you have Lamb? Um, I would too. That's rough. I would say, I would say Tyreek still, but it's just by a thin margin. Yeah. Lamb, was he the first person ever? Was the 350 yards and somebody touchdowns, whatever, three weeks in a row? Well, 10 it's catches outrageous. for 150. The thing about Lamb, and I brought it up a couple like weeks ago on the show, was that they started, like, he's playing inside and outside now. And, like, he's getting... He's so good, and it's I understand why they never wanted to move him out of the slot because he's so good. But like just by him getting outside a little bit, it just gives him access to some types of targets on the route tree that like are just a little more rich in fantasy cholesterol and just have a little more calories to him. And just by getting those little bit more of targets, it, it's taking his ceiling to like another stratosphere. Any more receivers? Otherwise, we'll move on and talk about some tight ends, but grudgingly. Anybody else? All right. Tight ends. 
So I mentioned before, uh, John, uh, you know, in DK Optimals, we are getting two tight end builds on a Wednesday night. Let's not lose ourselves or lock it in. But uh, McBride, 55%. You know who's coming in at 53% in addition to McBride? And somebody else is coming in at 41%. Kincaid? Yes. Kincaid is the second guy. And the third guy is coming back uh, from injury. Yeah, I'm not playing the third guy. Don't. No, you can't play Fryer. Do not do that to yourself. There's you see no his price? Way. Yeah, he's mid. It's two what five. Two yeah, five. Oh goodness. Look at oh, Dean pulled up Fryer moves game log while he was playing. <laughs> and tell me if that's worth two five. Dude, well, Fry- like sometimes nine points is fine for two that's five. That's true. Not I mean, is he gonna I will get say this. nine points? Rule of thumb, rule of thumb, I always say I will not yuck anyone's yum on the punt play. If you want to punt. Then you know what you signed up for. I, I yuck, I, I yuck punt plays in tournaments when they're going to be over rostered. And given that salary, like you said, nine points, Dean. The Browns yeah. are allowing three point six points per game to opposing tight ends. They are allowing okay. triple your guesstimate. Uh, also, Fryermuth was like bad. Deontay Johnson was out, and in those three games, Fryermuth had an eleven percent target share. Like, does he <laughs> does he even reach three targets in this game? I would just say we played worse players at 2-5 than Pat Fryer. Buddy, can I I've, say that? I've played so much worse player. I played Tyron Haneke last week. I, I can play some bad players on you. Don't worry about <laughs> it. But, like, I can't play 30% bad Fryer move into tournaments. I can't do that. I'm not when you're 2-5 and you're breathing and you're on the field and, like, you're at least capable of running a route, then I'll, you know, if I'm pitching pennies, uh, sometimes the tight end position is just, like, overall, all of it's bad, except, like, one or two guys. And, maybe... You know, Maybe if it becomes again, we we all talk about this differently on our shows on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Maybe if maybe if it becomes where the twenty five hundred, you don't even care what it what he does. It just opens up more because it makes the slate in your lineups work. That's when I play him. Um, but structurally or like just objectively, the worst play on the slate. No, make him five hundred. To be clear, I'm not endorsing it. I just, yeah, just what the way you said it. Like, what it's not what Fryerman does. We don't even know if he's for sure playing though either. So let's not even like let's not even go down the rabbit hole. Okay, uh, fair enough. As the chat points out, Mayer at 2700, I think is pretty fun because again, the Raiders, unless they just want to be stubborn and run the ball into eternity, they can't run the ball in this game. Like they just won't get away with it because they're going to be down two or three scores within the first half. And then what do they do? And if that's the case, then we at least saw Mayer have a season-high 20% target share last week from Aiden O'Connell. So I'd be fine with Mayer as a tournament pivot trying to make it work too. Theoretically, that is the future they want, right? They want it to be O'Connell to Mayer and not Hooper. Is Hooper still getting run? Is, he's wearing a uniform. He's on the field. No, no. They, he, that, was only a Josh, that was only a Josh McDaniel thing. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> the moment they fired Josh McDaniel, we were done with that shit. Like, we're not going back. Hooper was bummed. He was bummed yeah. to see him walk out the door. Uh, did you see Florio was... suggest that the bill hired Josh McDaniel? I mean, did, did you see Florio suggest that Dan Campbell's the next Aggies coach? Let's just keep it going. <laughs> oh. Dan Campbell, weird. coach of the year favorite, is the next Aggies coach. Boy, when you when you just lost it, when you've run out of anything to have, you just start grasping for everything. You, uh, uh, Rich, you like the the mayor call? Other tight ends you think that are sure. interesting and worth uh, worth a head nod? No, I mean I th- I think Kincaid makes sense because just structurally where the Jets are really good defensively, like they funnel targets to tight ends inherently uh, because they're so good against wide receivers. 
Uh, so I do think that a Kincaid makes sense too if you're playing him. If you're if you're going away, because him and McBride are the same price, right? Close. Uh, okay, so Kincaid is four nine, and McBride is four four. Four four. And on yeah. Fanduel, McBride is five nine, and Kincaid's five eight. So like they're basically the same exact price there. Yeah. Who do you prefer? You got to lean. I still per- prefer McBride just because like everything lines up. I do like Kincaid though. Yeah, nobody's playing Bills today outside of uh, outside of Kincaid. I, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, no, just their and I don't and I don't care about eating tight end chalk either. Uh, anybody else that we should mention? I'm trying to look at the list and see anybody. And also, like chalk this year hasn't even really been like actual like con- like contextual like really bad chalk like where anyone needs is needed. We've needed to avoid guys on slates either. Oh, it's been hitting we've, a fair bit. We've had like three guys, right? Like if Ty Chandler was on the slate, he'd be like the conversation, <laughs> right? Like that'd be oh, like, I'd, where play, like mm-hmm. I'd play Ty Chandler on the slate. I'd be a slate. right, like, but like I think like the closest we came was who was it before? It was Josh Kelly, right? Like was the like that wasn't yes. like oh that was so bad yeah. chalk, but like the type against of Tennessee, chalk, but like the type of chalk we've seen this year, like hasn't been like stuff where you have to run from. Correct, because uh, until this point, we've gotten Mostert and Achan chalk. And the chalk that you do run from is one you know you shouldn't play anyways, as we talk about every week. Pollard, Mixon, Mixon. and Jacob <laughs> before Antonio Pierce in a great spot. Yeah, that's that's really it. But like a lot All of right. people talk about like the highest on guys and stuff like dude, I I don't really care if Trey McBride is gonna be 20% owned. Like whatever. Yeah. And that's yeah. still only one in five lineups. Like I know ownership's important and it's important to stress, but it's like there's other there's other players in your lineup that are gonna be three, four, five, six percent. And those are your like those are your separators, right? For better mm-hmm. or for worse. Um, is that it? We're done. Any more tight end talk? Any more any more tight end talk? Are we done with bas- basketball? Never Jeez. never more tight end talk than you force us to. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to someone in the chat that let me know that the uh the Bears did uh extend Montez Sweat. I missed it. I'm oh, sorry. yeah, it was, it was four years, ninety-eight million. I forgot about that. Yeah, I thought I saw that, but I didn't want to yeah, commit to it. When I, yeah. That's my bad. Which I is still, odd, which still odd because they gave Jalen Johnson, who's a true like island shutdown corner. They gave him a good offer, or no, they lowballed him, and he was pissed off, which is why he tried to request a trade. So I don't understand why they were willing to give Sweat the deal, but not like an actual young upcoming piece as well that deal as a cornerback. I don't know what the Bears do anymore. It makes no sense at all. Even though well, I'm wearing, what's the my, tag? The I'm tag wearing my Soldier for, Fields shirt. The tag for cornerback is is it cheaper than defensive end? Maybe that's why they're just factoring in like if they Maybe have so. to tag, yeah. if they have to tag Johnson. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. There's we talked about Schultz in the other segment though, uh chat person. Yeah. I don't know if chat it's a UE person. UE. I don't know how to pronounce it. Like this is why, like, you know, I do like a Sunday chat with the subscribers and stuff. And like sometimes they drop the names. I'm like, Jesus, I, I gotta like I'm gonna botch this name. <laughs> the whole point is is to botch the name, is to be human. Yeah, I guess so. Bring Robin. Let's get Robin here. It's definitely ooh-wee 2K for the name. <laughs> That's gotta playing. be what it is, actually. What's and up, I'm, bud? What's going on? And I'm playing Tony Pollard until morale improves. Oh, <laughs> are you just like Martin it? Have you been playing him every single week, and that's that? I, I just I press the button, I cry, and then I move on to the next position. I <laughs> go back, I stare at it again, I'm... and I'm just like, "All right, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna be poor yeah. again." 
So the reason why, uh, one of the big reasons why producer Rob is here. Well, this is the end of football talk. If you're done with football, if you, you want to hear us talk no, about no, you're going to stay for this one. I'm not saying you should go away. I'm not trying to shoot anybody away, but I don't want people to be like, could you talk we about some more it. tight ends already? You know, just we, want to let them know. We set, we set this one up accordingly because it needed, just like the movie is, it's really just a giant setup to the main moment or the last 30 minutes. See, I didn't even see the setup, so I don't know what I'm in, in store for. Because I listen to you guys. You guys accompany on my ride to work in the morning, so I make sure I don't listen to the early part. Oh. And then I, I get you for the ride into work on Thursday mornings. So I'm going to hear, I'm sure I'm going to hear some shit on the ride in tomorrow. Well, I might've said, I can't remember if I said this off air or on air, but I thought we had the pact amongst the show, like fun movie recommendations going forward. And I was called out for not recommending fun movies and bone Tomahawk. will talk about it, but I think we all can agree. <laughs> not a fun movie that Rob to assigned be, us. To be fair. It, it is a feel good movie in a way we get some, some people escape with their lives. Some, <laughs> not many. So I'll just read the, the quick synopsis and I'll throw it to Rob. Uh, in the Old West, a sheriff, Kurt Russell, his deputy, Richard Jenkins, a gunslinger, Matthew Fox. I didn't know that was Matthew Fox. So halfway through the movie, I'm like, is that Matthew Fox? Party of five? Uh, and a cowboy, Patrick Wilson, they embark on a mission to rescue three people from a savage group of cave dwellers. Rob, you won our uh, our contest last week. You guys can participate. I dropped the link in chat. The link's going to be uh, under the description as well on the YouTube. Feel free to join us. If you finish first, you get a month free of RG Premium. We punish each other. I think punish is probably not the right word. Just assign a movie, the winner amongst our group, assigns a movie for everybody else to watch. Rob, tell us why you uh, had us watch Bone Tomahawk. Well, I had already picked a horror movie. I had also already picked a action comedy. So I decided to go Western slash horror. And I knew that there would be a reaction to this movie if you hadn't seen it. So... I can't start talking about this movie. Rich can't start talking about this movie. It's got to be you and Daigle, as this was your first viewing experience. And uh, what did what did you gentlemen think of the movie Bone Tomahawk? I yield to Daigle because he's very excited to talk about it. So I want to hear. Yeah. I just want to hit play I, and hear, hear him go. I think I loved it. I think I really, really loved it. I told it. you. And... and Okay, so Tombstone is one of my favorite movies of all time. Love it. Uh, Cormac McCarthy like litters this bookshelf. Um, my favorite author of all time. Blood Meridian is my, one of my favorite books of all time. Which Blood Meridian, it is this. They've never been able to take it to screen because they haven't figured it out. But it literally is just scalps and blood everywhere you walk across the plains of Texas to New Mexico. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what this is. I love that kind of setting, which it just comes out of nowhere. And what I love about it a lot also is the quirkiness and the genius it is. I, I admittedly am not someone who wants or even needs gore. Like I, I just kind of avoid it. Um, but I don't run from it. And at first I was turned off because they literally, the screen goes from credits open up the movie and you have someone Adam's apple being dug out with a knife. Like, let's just start there. Right. It, it, but it, in a way it's genius because it prefaces what's about to happen. It's just like, get ready. Cause we're not holding anything back the rest of this movie. And then like, as you see, it's like 20 to 25 minutes of just, it keeps on calming you down, but also presenting that this is going to be a violent movie, but then also weaving in the weird 
quotations and the script is kind of brilliant because it's a slow bit. It's all a slow build to the last 30 minutes. Like it's not as violent until we get to the last 30 minutes, but then you have the weird quotes. Like um, I wrote them down because I, I thought it was just so genius. John make any flirtation remarks in my pre- wife's presence. There will be a reckoning. Uh, if you want to question my morals, do it later. And then what did he say whenever he shot that bird out of the nest or out of the trees? What's that famous quote, Rob? Oh, I don't remember it off off the top of my head. Gosh, I'm, I'm the response to, to the uh, the response to the questioning their morals. He said, "Like I don't think you have any." I can't remember how he, I can't remember how you phrased it, but it was a clever retort. But I don't recall yeah. the exact line. Well, the dialogue, retort. the dialogue all around in this movie is great. It's so good, very good, it's so yeah. fucking good. Uh, even even smart men don't get married. Like that's it. It's that simple that he walks away. It's like great. This is such a brilliant movie. But then again, okay, so it's all it's all building up. It's an hour and a half of building up to then meeting the cannibals. And it's just like, from that point forward, it's it's like, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, even when they, spoiler alert. And oh yeah, spoilers, go, by the way. <laughs> I had to go back that, but... and I had to go look at the rankings of the most horrific scenes in horror movie history. Because this, this is not a horror movie either. It's a... I think it kind of is. It's, it's a mix. It's like a Western horror. Well, it's horror, not really horror scary. It's not scary. It's it's um. Yeah, but they're not like real people. You know, it's yeah. They're troglodytes, is what yeah. I believe they're called. It's like a, yeah. it's like a noir Western. They call, they call them troglodytes. Yeah. I, I love again. I love it, but I can't even explain what the hell this genre is, which is maybe why I don't see much of it because I don't even know what it is. But they don't. They don't really warn you. You just kind of get captured uh, by getting choked out or a literal bone tomahawk shoved through the back of your throat and then you get dragged because you're out of conscience to the cages of the cannibals and the next thing you know you look up and you see (laughs) you see your friend his legs his feet grabbed one person on one side one person the other and the cannibals just split him open quite literally in front of your face they just spread him and rip him open right in front of you I will say though, as much as that the shot long was, way, by the way, the long way, not Habsies, not like oh like, no, or so, no, yeah, no, absolutely way. not the long way. I will yeah. say at that point, at that point though, <laughs> the gore got a little more cartoonish. Like even towards the end, whenever Kurt Russell's fighting for his life, like the gun shot into his belly, um, his murderings of the other cannibals, it got a little like oh, because he took the tomahawk to someone's head and their head exploded. Like it got a little more funny by that point, so it's more accepting. I just think you you do need to be a little bit warned because it's an hour and a half of setting up to get a man ripped in half, and you're just not ready for it when it happens. See, I I liked going into it not warning you because we get it's beautiful something. tweets like the one that we saw during the week where I decided <laughs> I'm gonna watch Bone Tomahawk. I'm gonna get some lunch. <laughs> And then, then yeah. two hours later, you can see they go, oh, my God, WTF. Yep. <laughs> it was amazing. You, you knew exactly which part of the movie that commenter reached. Yes. On yeah. Twitter, re- replying to us, you knew he had finally reached the sale part. Yeah. yeah. So, I but I picked this movie for you. I think Daniel, I love it. I thought you would like it. I, I, I was like, it. I think this is a Daigle movie for some reason. So that's why I assigned this movie. I, I watched it twice. Free, John? I oh, watched it twice. I'm not gonna lie. I, I so I this is the first time I've watched a movie early because I had some free time. I didn't go out Saturday night, 
So I watched this Saturday night. And then uh, I kind of woke up and I was like, that's, uh, I'm horrified. But then by Monday came around, I'm like, I think I need to watch it again. I need to see it one more time <laughs> to comprehend what I just saw. I think I love the genre. I think I loved it in general. The characters, the dialogue. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. It's really good. Dean, what, what did you, you, this is your first time watching it, Dean. What were you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm generally not a big horror guy. I don't like run away from it, but generally not a big horror guy. I'm generally not a big Western guy. Like there's some Westerns I do like, but uh, and I see it kind of as a horror Western, kind of its own sort of, you know, niche uh, genre. And I, I really liked it. I thought the dialogue was great. The acting was great. The story was really simple. It's a super simple story. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a, couple people, a couple people were taken and we're going to go get them back. And that's it. That's the story. And I like how they didn't show you that. They didn't show them get taken, but you just kind of like, okay, I guess that's what happened. There was the element of like, maybe that didn't happen. Maybe there's something else, but that's actually what happened. Uh, they figured it out very, very quickly. As the, and they have to go on a mission. And uh, Kurt Russell was fantastic. Richard Jenkins, who I love. He's kind of a sort of a that guy, I think. He was spectacular. Love him from Six Feet Under, one of my favorite TV shows from like 20 mm-hmm. years ago. I got to give that a rewatch. Uh, Matthew Fox, again, was really good. I'm like, oh, wow, Matthew Fox. Why, don't, why isn't he in more things? He, I thought he was pretty spectacular. Um, Patrick Wilson was solid. Uh, I, I enjoyed it more than I expected. Uh, definitely a thumb up. Uh, I liked it. It was uh, – I did not see what happened. Like at a certain point, you kind of figure out, okay, this is gonna this is gonna turn here. Like you know, it's you know, it's a slow burn, and you know where it's getting into. I wasn't sure if they were gonna get away or not get away. I don't know if I'll say if that happens or not. That's not necessary. I guess we can't. At this point, we're already kind of pocketed. But I wasn't sure how that was gonna end. It could have gone the other way. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was really really solid. I liked it. I recommend it. Wouldn't broadly recommend it because it's not like a a movie for the masses. You have to know know who you're recommending it to, right? Like you have to, it's a very specific movie to recommend to people. Even, even like they're around the fireplace and the doctor comes or the backup marshal comes back (laughs) and starts talking about resetting his shin or his bone. And even that's like a third, it's a half hour setup to doing it. It's like a half hour to get you warmed up for what's about to happen. Cause when he swings the hammer back, the camera doesn't cut. You just get to see everything. And it's like, again, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I want this, but uh, you did prepare the last 30 minutes of our lives, you know, shooting the people with crucifixes that come in or just looking for help. You kind of set us up for more violence. That's about to happen along the way. Is this what you remembered, Rich? This is your second time watching it. Is this how you recall? Is there anything you forgot? Anything like, Oh yeah, this is better than I recall about the same. Yeah. So when this movie came out, I remember everyone talking about that scene and like, because like when it came, I think this movie was out on Netflix originally. I might be wrong. Really? Um, I, think, I think it had a theatrical release. But, it, pretty, it, sure. but I remember just everyone Short, talking about but... the scene when everyone just talked about the movie around that one scene, right? Like it was just like, you, this movie has like the most out, like over the top scene. Like you got to see it. You got to see it. And it's like, anytime I hear that, it's like, well, what was the scene? So watch the movie, but uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I knew that that was coming. I tried to hint at it without spoiling anything last week, like when Rob got it. Up. You can't even hint at it and spoil like, it because people you just don't know until movie, you watch it. Yeah, because people have seen this movie. No, like obviously uh, that, but no, it's a it's a really solid movie. I like the dialogue and stuff. Uh, the the my only like minor complaints about this movie is like I wish they would have paid off some of the faith based stuff. Like uh, they, they kind of skirt around it with Patrick Wilson's character, but like they don't really pay any of that off, and then. I would have liked just more lore of the uh, troglodytes. I'd like to know more about what's going on sure. there. Like we find, like we know there's like 
two women that like are for breeding and stuff. I don't love more. Like, why do they stick these wind things in their windpipe like and communicate this way? I would like a little more of it. They were just kind of you. They're almost like a throwaway, uh, just for effect. And I would have liked more of like the more rationale why they were there. And even the even the trog women were like it's just over it's over the top too because it sounds like predator like you just yeah yell. they they did have a predator look to them too definitely yes uh, correct it was definitely called yeah calling back for sure I love the dialogue though this movie I love Richard so Jenkins good. talking about the the flea circus in the in the yep. cell at the end of the movie like just delightful they Are we, they kind of. They portray that scene to like make sure you get the monologue because like clearly that was practiced time and time over because it's such like a famous scene because that's all he's doing. He's literally just telling the story of a flea circus. Yeah. Uh, how did Patrick Wilson's character get to the top of the case? Like, can we ask that question or we should just don't ask the question? Because it's the rope. Did he have access to that rope? How did he get there? Just don't ask. I mean, there are a few things you don't ask. Like, you just don't ask. Like, how that? Well, that's your faith payoff, right? There you go. That's your faith payoff. How the troglodytes literally did, like, the last two seasons of Game of Thrones tel- Game of Thrones teleporting to, like, kidnap everyone, and then they were just back when it was, like, clearly, like, a five-day, like, walk. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't ask these questions. It's like, it is, as the chat's noting, it is a combination of uh, Predator Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino and um, what's the what's the Mel Gibson movie, the first one he did? Mad the Max. Aztec? Oh, Apocalypto. Oh. It's like Apocalypto and Death Proof were, had yeah. a baby and that's, and Tombstone. This That's what this movie is. So it's like, it's awesome. It's a lot yeah. of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. Apocalypto is a great movie too that yeah. I think a lot of people haven't seen for some reason. Th- I, this movie yeah, we're never going to recommend it we're never going to no, recommend it no but if you go out of your way to see it at some point in your life I, <laughs> I just love this movie because of how different it is right you're you're setting up yeah. for a western but that opening scene has david arquette <laughs> and sid haig like that scene is incredible the dialogue there just starts off great and then kurt russell is just kurt russell mm-hmm. man <laughs> have you ever seen a kurt russell movie that you didn't like kurt russell in he crushes Ooh. like all the That's time. a good question. What is the worst Kurt Russell movie? There's got to be some bad ones, right? I, I'm sure there's that. some like, I mean, he did like a Santa Claus movie. I didn't watch that, <laughs> but like, but but we're talking about like legit Kurt Russell like movies. Tango right? and Cash, Kurt Russell. You're talking yeah, about, yeah, right. The the thing, the thing is probably the greatest horror oh, movie yeah. of all time, and Kurt Russell's in that. So you get Kurt Captain Russell. Ron. Captain Ron, yeah, he, he did it all. <laughs> dude, um, dude, dude. Fun, fun fact: When Walt Disney died, but you didn't think this turn was coming. His head shares, shares a birthday with me, by the way. Walt Disney, December fifth. Did, did he? Oh, yeah. See, now we know your birthday's coming up. Um, Very same day, when, and his his hometown, his his house is in uh like only ten miles from me. But like they're so you know how creepy Disney adults are. There's so many people there lined around the corner every day. Oh really? Yeah, that's probably. Oh yeah. Disturbing. Oh yeah. So so Walt Disney had a note on him that nobody knows what it meant, but it had it said like CIA or FBI and a couple other things, and it had Kurt Russell's name on it, and no one knows what the the note was alluding to. So there's a fun Kurt Russell fact for you. It was the uh, Christmas Chronicles 2, by the way, just to get it right. It wasn't, it wasn't the original, apparently. 
Maybe he See, wasn't. As a, as a kid, I watched Big Trouble in Little China so many times. Like, Such a good movie, yeah, too. Just as a, all the time. I remember when The Rock was going to remake it, I was so mad. Like, when, <laughs> like, like vehemently like hoping it wasn't going to happen. I have two fun facts. I have two fun... Who, David Arquette <laughs> was also in that movie. Uh, so this movie was originally announced in October of 2012. Peter Sarsgaard and Jennifer Carpenter were set to play the O'Doyles. And oh. Timothy Oliphant was going to play John Bruder. So I could see Timothy Oliphant in that role for sure. Um, the Matthew Fox role. The more interesting fact is, did the cave set look familiar to any of you guys at all? Is it from like the scent or something? Uh, all I could think about was the descendants. Cause it kind of yeah. like the way the movie shot kind of reminded me of that too, but that's it. So that cave set and the last act of the movie was the actual same cave set used in Iron Man when Tony oh, nice. Stark is held captive. Wow. So there's That's awesome. Yeah, so it's the same cave set that they use for that particular movie. I have to go back and read. By the way, you you guys are saying there's no movies like Bone Tomahawk. And I was curious. I Googled movies like Bone Tomahawk and I got I do that a Reddit. lot. Yeah. And if, I, I don't think I've seen any of these. Rob probably has. Ravenous is one that's thrown out there. I actually have not uh, watched Ravenous yet. From 1999. Dark Valley on Netflix. The Burrowers. Uh, just throwing them out there. I don't know if anybody has a... From Dust Till Dawn, somebody's thrown out there. From Dust Till Dawn is amazing. Have you seen From yeah. Dust Till... Have you guys seen that? Many, oh, yeah. many, big, many years ago. Big Robert Rodriguez fan, yeah. Yeah, I love Robert Rodriguez. I do, I don't, although I don't like gore, uh, I love zombie movies, oddly enough, too. I think they're great. And the movie's not really gory. It's more like a cartoon. It's nah. comic. Yeah. Cartoon. But everyone, everyone my age that was a Salma Hayek fan has seen all those movies. Because yeah. they co-directed <laughs> co it with Quentin Tarantino, so you're always going to get a little weird, not horror. Yeah, I have a friend that hasn't seen that movie yet, and I can't wait for him to watch that movie. Uh, we're going to be doing that on our show at some point. I gave this movie at a 4.5 out of 5. So that's my rating for Bone Tomahawk. By the way, uh, I have the Rotten Tomato score. If you guys want to play a Rotten Tomato game, uh, Rich, you can go first. If you want to give me both critics and audience, oh, uh, fire away. What do the critics and the audience think of Bone Tomahawk? Uh, IMDb, I will say it's a 7 1. On Rotten Tomatoes, I will say critics, uh, 70%, uh, fans, uh, 85%. Okay, Rob? I'll go 7-7 seven, seven on IMDb. We'll go 74% for critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 84% for <laughs> the other. Did you say Price is Right? Him? Is that what's happening here? Well, no, I'm, 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 he, went, he went one below. I, to reverse price. <laughs> I'm about the price. I'm about the price is right road. I'm just going to middle IMDB. Go between them. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's 0.6 spots. I'm going to middle critics, which I think is 3%. And I have to go below 84% because Rich did 85%. There you go. So Rotten Tomatoes. I will say, thinking about it though, I'm thinking fan-wise though might be lower because of the one scene, like people that just like get turned off for the goal. But isn't that kind of thinking? I went high because people might just say that one scene could have thrown them out the whole movie. But isn't that kind of a cult classic moment though? Like people probably have to obsess over that moment. I don't know, man. 
no other movie does, does not everybody else though like cult classic I, not necessarily beloved by everybody but I, just by a certain still, concentrated group of people that's true i still can't believe y'all didn't tell me about that like it's just a good how <laughs> you, yeah you're right you can't i can't fair. tell you about it because then you're ready for it you you literally can't warn anyone except to tell them hey someone gets split in half in this movie <laughs> and like Actually, no, dragged in half. Like, no, he got scalped first. The scalping was enough. Yeah. Like, you're just like, oh, this is pretty bad. And then you're just like, oh, oh. <laughs> it, it's yeah. still going. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. Oh, it hurts. Rich, you were it right on the, the game theory 91% Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, uh, 74% from the audience. Yeah, I was thinking and, I went high at first. Yeah, it was because I was that, bad, You started so. the guess. So that's good. Speaking of prices, right? Uh, Rich, you won both showcase, both showcase showdowns on IMDb. It is a seven one. You binked it. Bang! You oh. Binked it right on oh, the money. That, oh, guess what? That means he picked the movie this week. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to put a score. Everybody's got to put a score. Uh, we oh, need yeah, a tight right. end from, from Rich. Uh, a scary tight end, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but, there's uh, only uh, one tight end that comes to mind. I think for this, and this one is a Frank Wycheck for me. <laughs> why, why does frank Wycheck come to mind because he was just a gnarly dude like just gnarly, he, gnarly he, you know, he you know he he would get the job done he'd catch a touchdown for you but he did all the dirty work was, the miracles you know, whatever he remembers him for right yeah the, 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 the nashville tennessee Mir- what is it called the miracle in somewhere music city miracle music city miracle i knew it was some kind of miracle but okay uh did you I wish, was, I wish it was just called the miracle somewhere well, oh, that's right. You're a Buffalo fan, right? I'm not a Buffalo fan, but I just wish oh, Miracle Summer is somewhere. great. I love it. It's got a nice ring to it. It's available. I don't think anybody's taking that. Um, Rob, what do you got as far as the score for Bone Tomahawk? 4.5 for me out of 5. B+. Plus. I'll give it a B+. Plus. Uh, we got a score out of John as well. One more thing we got to do before you step aside and get out of here. By the way, know, really, hold on. Will, I, didn't get, I didn't give you my grade unless you want to do your pub right I'll, now. Oh, I thought you said four or five. Did I, did no, I, miss, I said four or five. Oh, five. I'm sorry. Go I, ahead. No, my my scale is out of 10. No, get my scale right. And I've never given a grade over eight. And I'm giving this an 8.6. Wow. I liked it Better a lot. or worse than sideways? Uh, we didn't grade. Different we didn't have grade scales when we talked about terrible. sideways. Sideways would probably terrible. be it. I guess retroactive sideways grade would probably be an 8.9 or 9.1. I need to think about it, though. All right. But they're different genres. They're different archetype of movies. Oh, totally different. This is just my enjoyment scale out of 10. Yeah. That's all this is. I watched it twice. Really good. But I admittedly, the, the second uh, time, the second time I clicked fast forward 15 seconds on the split part. I just don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was gonna I was gonna ask, did you rewatch it? No, I just don't need it. I don't need it. It's okay. I didn't rewatch it either. Was I supposed to pause it and see like the special effects? No. Now, I, I, I did go to I did go to Google Images to see it like in a still motion because it doesn't scare me as much, and uh, it looks funnier in still motion. I will say that. So if you want to know what we're talking about, and you don't want to watch the movie, just Google image you know the scene from Bonesaw Bonesaw Tomahawk. Tomahawk and if you Bonesaw, and if you want to see a, a more gruesome one, watch the original Terrifier movie, and then if you want to see an even worse scene, watch Terrifier Wait, too. What's what's Terrifier? Uh, it is a horror movie. It is. A, oh, it is. It's more. It's more graphic than this. Oh yeah. Oh no, yeah. no, not it. <laughs> the, the first. So the first Terrifier, very graphic. Also has a splitting in half scene. Actually worse than this one. Way no, worse. No, we don't need it. We more graphic then, than playing Josh Jacobs as a twelve point dog. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifier two. And even in worse. Cash. 
Terrifier 2 even worse. So if you're into gory, there you go. Rich, the uh, the bar is set. Uh, you have to give us a movie that uh, gets the reaction uh, that we got out of Bone Tomahawk. We all liked it. No, nah, we don't need reactions. We can just enjoy ourselves. I'm just trying no, to put a little I, I'm only picking enjoyable, feel-good stuff for this. I only gave us because <laughs> I was going to pick Super because Daigle is a James Gunn fan and hadn't seen Super, but I'll save that. Also, if, I'm going to spoil like teaser. If I ever win close to Christmas, we're watching that Mel Gibson Santa movie. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Russell Santa movie? Like, no, the Mel Gibson one. There's a Mel Gibson Santa movie? Yeah. Oh, dude. yeah. I remember. It just came out, right? Not too long ago? Like, two, Not two, Silent two Night. Ago. A different one. Yeah. It's like Silent Night, but with Mel Gibson. All right. uh, <laughs> All right. If you liked Silent Night, if you like, you'll love. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to either comedy or feel good. I've got three for you guys. We can do, we can either do spy with Melissa McCarthy. And I know you guys said you didn't see that. Uh, I was thinking the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. We could watch that. If you haven't seen that or the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, is it live action? The new one? No, it's kind of like spider verse animation. Okay. So my parents, they're all just fun movies. I've like seen Dungeons and Dragons. I've, I've watched Dungeons... Dungeons and Dragons the worst way you can watch it, which is on a plane. Uh. <laughs> um, I, uh, my parents potty trained me by telling me they'd buy me a Ninja Turtle every time I would go in the toilet, and it worked. And now I still have an entire, quite literally, Costco tub of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures that my nephews and niece play with like every day. I'm jealous. That is on Paramount. I know that is on Paramount. If you have that, it was my favorite shit. Michelangelo is the best. And Spy is on HBO. I'm down for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I haven't seen that. Uh, I will go with the crowd. Whatever the crowd wants. I'm. I don't have a strong lean. I'm good with what everybody wants. So, uh, I would say D. I would say D. Do you want D and D or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Rob and I I would take the the turtles. Rob and I have seen D and D. So yeah. And it's good. Yeah, I think I think it's really good. Yeah, I thought it was fun. It's yeah. got a There's lot a of great actors. There's in it a too, great right? chase like, in that that's really well executed. Yeah, it's on. Uh, I feel like it's. You said it's on Paramount. I thought it was on the NBC one, Peacock. I could be wrong. They, they kind of jump around though, so it's on Turtles, one of those. Sure. Turtles, I think it is. Maybe I may I may be wrong, but also yeah. I rewatched that's Mask great. of the Phantasm because we were talking about it last week, and it's is it is it, it still up. good? It's so on Paramount, good. Dean. Okay. Do you have Paramount? That works. Yeah, yeah, that works. I assume, no I assume Dean has everything. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. So there this, it is. Is, that's, this is the one that just came out, right? To be clear, yeah, this the one. Yes. Yeah, right? the, the one that was twenty twenty three. Who who was who was Casey Kasem in the old one? Casey, Casey Kasem. Kasem? Or Casey is, Jones. Is, is, Casey Jones. That, oh, Casey Jones. I'm sorry. Who is Casey Kasem? Is that a murderer? He, he, he was, was the top. He was a radio DJ. Radio DJ. All right, we got the top forty coming in. <laughs> Come <at you. laughs> that, that's who I'm thinking of. God, I'm a fucking boomer. My God. Uh, okay. Yeah, Casey Ryan Jones. Seacrest does it now, I believe. Casey Jones. Yeah. Who was Casey Jones? The old one. Wasn't he, he a Casey Jones the coach the Boston Celtics. That's they, probably uh, a different Casey. Casey, Casey oh, Jones is. The ultimate that guy, 
Because yeah. every time I see him in a movie, I go, "Ooh, that's Casey Jones." That's Casey I Jones. Never, yeah. I, I never go, "Ooh, that's actor's name." It's, "Oh, that's Casey Jones." I don't remember who April O'Neil is though. They changed her between the first and second movie. Yeah. I used to watch I used to watch that one, the first one all the time. I thought it was great. It probably the first didn't hold and second up. one. The what about the, no, the, the ninja up. rap with Vanilla Ice? Are you into that as well? There's, is that uh, yeah? And the samurai one is still the worst one, right? The, yeah. the samurai one is real bad. <laughs> Maybe the the samurai one was real bad when it came out. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first one holds up though. I watched it a few years back. It holds up. The second one is strictly like nostalgia. Like you, yeah. if you watch it. If someone watched it now, they wouldn't like it. But like, if you watched it back in the day, you're like, "All right, I, I'm yeah. enjoying this because I watched it." And it's, then you still get pissed off that Bebop and Rocksteady aren't in it, and they replaced <laughs> them with these other two random but then, animals. But then you watch the the Michael Bay one when uh, Seamus, the wrestler, is actually Rocksteady <laughs> instead, and you're just yeah. really confused about where civilization is gone. <laughs> Michael Bay did it. A Teenage Ninja Turtles uh, movie? I wasn't aware of that. I must yeah, have Megan yeah. Fox was April O'Neil. Live action. Yeah. yeah, go figure. Megan Fox was featured. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's okay. all he has in his bag. Although... The turtles are like bad... super jacked. Like, unbelievably jacked. Yeah. 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 We'll although bad, bad Boys, I still support. Bad Boys is a great... Uh, it's not a saga. There's only two. This... Bad Boys is great. Is there a third? I stand by that. I think they're Martin Lawrence was trying to get a third, and I'm not sure if they ever got a third. But uh, I support Bad sure. Boys. Of what Bad Boys? Yeah. Is there? Yes. I think there's a there's, yeah. There's, there's a, a third, third one, right? right? Oh, is that the latest yeah. one? It just came out. Well, not like just came out, but it came out like within like three years. Okay, mm. I probably saw it. All right, let's all watch Bad Boys. It's solid. It's actually solid. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're gonna okay. watch live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Paramount together. Not live action. It's the uh the animated one it's new phantasm of the mask uh no. mask of the phantasm <laughs> <laughs> yes that's what we're watching together we can do this together yes well if we before we get get out of here we do appreciate all listening obviously way to stick around it's two hours an hour and a half football a half hour of, of movies you know we talk and talk movies every single week and get that in here uh we'll be talking ninja turtles next week we'll be talking week 12 next week before we leave before you step aside Rob, tell the people where can they find you? Give them the socials, give them all the good stuff. You can find me on social media, usually at King Coakley, or you can come watch me talk about Ghost and other horror movie reviews at Hometown Ghost Stories. And if you're into best ball, catch me over at Spike Week. John? I do a lot of shit, but if you want to go to 44.com and type in the code BETS50, that's the code we're using now then literally 50% off either DFS or betting subscription. And if you do not have a good season-long year, that's how we're going to help you recoup those season-long dues to pay your jerk commissioner. 50% off, much like the guy in Bone, in Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> and if you do turn things around, as far as you're 50. Yeah. <laughs> Rich, uh, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, yeah, sharpupanalysis.com. Uh, you can use promo code TAKE60 and take 60% off. And oh, oh. So take that. <laughs> well, actually. Uh, take that. Uh, take that. It's, it's, it's like, if, it's like if the guy got cut in half and scalped. So yeah. 60% off. I got scalped, and then I got ripped in half. <laughs> uh, but you can always find me here. Listen, Wednesdays, 9 p.m. with my guys Daigle, Dean, and now Rob. Now Rob. 
Yes. For Rob, for producer Steve, for Frank Wycheck, for John, for uh, Rich. I wasn't sure. Casey Jones. For Casey Jones. All the Casey yeah. Joneses out there. I was Dean. Appreciate y'all watching. Go win something this week. We're out of here. Holler. Oh.